Live from the Hot Stove Lounge, the Flames Talk post-game show starts now. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Let's get our post-game coverage going. Let's get uh, things going immediately following another overtime win for Calgary. 4-3 ends up being your final score as Nazem Kadri wins it 60 seconds into overtime. Post-game underway. Pat Steinberg at the Dome. Let's head immediately to the Flames locker room and check in with Mackenzie Weger, who tied this game with less than three minutes to go in the third period. Mackenzie, uh, would uh, this be another uh, immaculate vibes night? Are we uh, the vibes immaculate after this one? Yeah, absolutely. The vibes are immaculate for sure thing uh, what uh, what did we like about the effort tonight oh there was a lot of great things defensively I thought the boys were really putting their body on the line blocking a lot of shots um, they were desperate and and doing whatever they could to you know keep the puck out of our net I thought they kind of got some lucky bounces there but um, yeah I thought we were the better, the better team tonight and we got rewarded Walk us through your goal. What did you see on that one that tied it just a few minutes after what you thought was a tying goal got waved off? Yeah, you know, that one was uh, that was just a shot on net. Uh, the boys like to call me the muffin man, and that was uh, <laughs> that truly was a muffin there. And um, you know, in, in this NHL, you know, you throw pucks on net, you never know what could happen. So the the bounces are going for me right now, and I'm I'm happy that I could tie the game up. Yeah, you're uh, now tied for the team lead in goals with six on the year. Uh, you just feel like the thing that things are bouncing your way, or do you feel like you're you're playing uh, at a pretty high level as well? Yeah, I. I, I I'm I'm fairly happy with my game. I think tonight, you know, I, I focused a lot on you know blocking shots defensively and um, you know being harder to play against, kind of sh- trying to shut down their skill. And um, you know, right now I'm I'm finding ways to get pucks in the net in my offensive games. You know, coming coming in handy right now. I'm I'm contributing offensively, and and, and that's a big bonus for me. Uh, another game where it kind of went back and forth, but uh, a third period deficit that you erase and come back and win. Just another example, McKenzie, of of this group's ability to stick with it. Yeah. Absolutely. I, you know, I don't think it would be, you know, a win right now without us coming back. Uh, um, we want to play with the lead, but, you know, we're going to take these wins. Um, you know, it's a comeback win, but I, I really, truly believe that we deserve to, to win that game. We were the mm-hmm. better team tonight. Uh, and a uh, final thought for you. You know, overtime was uh, such a struggle for the group last year, and now you've won three straight in three-on-three. Three. Just how nice does that feel, knowing that now things are starting to go your way in overtime? Oh, it's absolutely huge. Um, you know, we, we saw last year, you know, how much it can cost us uh, in the regular season and coming down to the wire uh, close to playoff time so we need we need two points and overtime's huge right now I think the guys are playing with a lot of swagger a lot of confidence we're not sitting back Uh, we're trying to win games in overtime and and we're doing that Uh, Mackenzie congratulations on the win tonight thank you so much for doing this hey yeah absolutely anytime that's uh, Mackenzie Weger he tied the game with less than three minutes to go and then Nazem Kadri wins it in overtime as the Flames take a 4-3 overtime victory over the Dallas Stars our Flames Talk post-game show is underway. Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text line open at 960-960. It's Pat Steinberg, Megan Mickelson, and Derek Wills around the table following a second straight overtime victory for the Flames. And Mick, on our marquee matchup brought to you by Country Hills Toyota, we were talking in pregame about how, geez, uh, the Stars team seems to, at least in the regular season, bring out the best in the flames and and uh i again did so tonight that was a, a really fun game and a solid win for the flames and, and another i don't know if you we can we can haggle on how many minutes but pretty complete effort again from calgary that was a pretty start to finish solid game that they pull out an ot yeah and the flames just continue to to find ways to win and it's almost like 
they play better when they're battling from behind. <laughs> I said it to Wilsey upstairs, and it's like they need that kind of that extra motivation uh, to want to get back into games. But they also seem to really elevate their play when they're playing against tougher opponents. And so that's a really good thing when, when you can elevate your play in that way and really rise to the occasion. But really just liked the offensive creativity that they brought and that they showed and uh, the way that they possessed the puck in the offensive zone. They were really difficult to defend for the Dallas Stars, but they just keep adding layers in terms of their offensive game, it seems, and creating different scoring chances uh, in different ways. So a lot of promising things and Ryan Huska talks about you know them wanting to get better every single day it's almost like that's their mantra is you know get better every day you show up every day you do the work and continue to get better and they really are as I tweeted this team is ridiculously resilient that is the ninth time in the last 12 games they have fallen behind by a goal or more and battled back to pick up a point or two that is ridiculous and the way the third period played out was what impressed me the most. Because I thought the first period was fairly even. The second period, the Flames ran the star show. And how they fell behind after that was beyond me. It took a penalty shot goal for it to happen. And then it looks like they tie it, and the goal gets overturned on a hand pass. There was all those missed penalty calls. So it felt like the Flames, in a way, not only beat the Stars tonight, but kind of beat the officials too. So for them to battle back and and to tie it and then to win another game in overtime, which is something they had a really tough time doing last season. They had five overtime wins in 82 games last season. They've already got three Mm -hmm. in 23 games this season. So that's one of those games, and you said it on our way down from the Peter Maher Radio broadcast booth, sponsored by South Point Toyota, that that's the type of game that can really galvanize a team and bring it together, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. When you win games that way and you you face that kind of adversity, it really brings a group together, and that's what makes a really strong team and continues to to build that belief in that you can find – ways to win hockey games in any way and when you have teams that when you build that bond and you get that close that's a group that there you have fun you're playing free but it's also a team that players want to be a part of mm-hmm. like it's it builds a great culture and a great environment that players you want to be a part of teams like that um it's it was an eventful thursday at the saddle dome so the game was fun flames uh find a way to win this one and uh again like i I thought for a good chunk of it they were the the better squad so a a deserving win like you know talk about all these comebacks but even listening to Mackenzie weegers like yeah we came back but i just felt like we were the better squad they were and 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 so it kind of it it feels different than other comeback wins it more just feels like a team that plays their game and and in in the month of november anyway which will end up being a good month for them uh it it that them playing their game and being able to do it consistently has gotten them results but so there's that 
And then there's what happened before the game with the Nikita Zadorov trade. They played this game without number 16. He was traded to Vancouver just before the game started, just before 4 o'clock. We'll get to that in just a second because I see Kale McLean walking in right now. So we'll uh, get back to that. I, I will I will ask him a question about that to start, though, because that does kind of throw things into the blender a little bit just before the game starts. It's uh, Pat Steinberg, Derek Wills, and Megan Mickelson along with you. I think you got to flip the oh. headset around is the, yeah. uh, the issue on that one. There we go. Uh, and now Flames <laughs> assistant coach Kale McLean joins us. Derek doing some good maintenance on that headset <laughs> as well. Uh, now Kale McLean's with us. Uh, Post game following a 4-3 overtime win. Well, I, we were just about to talk a little bit about the Zadorov trade, Kale, and, and that happens, you know, three hours before you play a game. It kind of throws a, a little bit of a, a new wrench into what, what you're doing. How'd you like the way the, the group responded to something unexpected that close to a game tonight? Well, I uh, really liked it, to be honest. I thought we played a really strong game all the way through. Uh, we had our moments, of course, but in general, the guys, you know, sort of stuck with the game plan despite a few setbacks along the way, especially with the called back goal late in the game. But I think when it comes to distractions and things like that before the game, part of what makes them who they are as professionals is that they can compartmentalize. But at the same time, you know, it's a, it is a team game and you've lost a teammate that you've, you know, been close with over the past couple of years. So good on the group to be able to, you know, get out there and establish their game and sort of move forward in that direction. I want to ask about uh, just the offensive game of the team right now. It really seems like they're starting to find their stride and their pace and just adding different layers in terms of offense from the entries. Uh, looks like you guys are entering the zone through the middle of the ice, kicking pucks wide. Yep. Um, but just also the movement and attacking seams and getting pucks to the net just seems like you guys are really starting to build your offensive game what are you seeing there yeah i i agree i think that our line rush has been better for the last i i would say eight to ten games i think we've done a good job with the line rush when we're you know when we're um finding space in the neutral zone on the inside of the rink getting off the walls and creating from there and I think that's led to some some chances and some goals for us but where we've uh, come along lately and as uh, I think you're seeing Megan like you pointed out is that in the offensive zone we're starting to get better movement and more movement off the puck more guys are um, getting the puck off the pass as opposed to having to dig pucks off the walls which you know sometimes we need to use the walls to get it out to the D to relieve pressure but you can see that there's more tape-to-tape play because I think there's more motion in our game. And uh, the result is, you know, I think uh, our chances have gone up. Our high dangers have been pretty good. And obviously we're scoring goals. Like we're finding the back of the net when we need to. So that's uh, something that we're seeing on our end as well. I think our offensive zone play is, is coming along. Jonathan Huberdeau had the primary assist on Mackenzie Weegers' game-tying goal in the third mm-hmm. and on Nazem Kadri's game-winning goal in overtime. Are we starting to see the old Jonathan Huberdeau? I think you're seeing, yeah, I think you're seeing him find his confidence. He looks like a more confident player each game as it, that he plays. Um, he's a guy that, you know, he... Uh, Jonathan can see hard plays. Like he's one of those guys that can see, pick the hardest play on the ice and he can <laughs> see it. And uh, those are hard plays to make. And I think that when you get to that, when you're, um, you know, painting the picture with that fine of a brush, 
it's a very small margin of error and like whether it's timing or confidence or different things sometimes that can be the difference in a puck being seamed you know or sauced in the air through and I think that his game is starting to come together to an extent where those plays are happening more and you're seeing the odd play where you're like oh boy like how did he make that you know and that's something that I think with elite players, when they start to roll in that respect, you, you start to see that more and more. And I think we'd all agree that that's happening more with Jonathan. The other thing that's happening more is he's more aggressive and more tenacious on the puck. And I think that's making a difference in his game and his lines game for sure. With uh, assistant coach Kale McLean following a 4-3 overtime win, what's been different for your team in overtime this year compared to last? It was such a struggle for the group to get that extra point last year. Now you've won three straight games and three on three. What, what's been the difference in your eyes? Uh, I think that one of the big differences were a little more patient and a little more... Um, uh, picky about the shots that we take on the net. We're willing to take it out of the zone a little more often. We're willing to use Marky, uh, relieve pressure in any way we can, and not waste opportunities from shots that aren't aren't great A's. And that you know, all you have to do is do that one time, and that you know, you could not see the puck again for a minute and a half. So just having the discipline to hang on to a puck, turn it back wait maybe get a a fresh body on the ice and build your attack again i think makes a big difference and our guys are making better decisions there and then you got to just credit the guys for clutch performance right like there's you know the mckenzie weger goal and and cadre tonight like the the play they made on the entry so you, you know can't dismiss the fact they're just making good plays but i think their their thought process is a little more uh wise for the situation Wanted to ask about uh, your thoughts on Jordan Osterley coming into this game, obviously with um, Nikita being traded, uh, him getting notified likely later than you typically would, uh, and just the entire decor in general and just what you thought of their game tonight. Well, I thought that they played a really strong, like solid game. I think that our whole group, um, in as far as our defensive zone, I thought that we all committed to blocking shots, and our D really did. Chris Tanev blocked the same shot he blocked last. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Never learned his last With does. his shoulder, I think, this <laughs> time. Yeah, yeah he, he, he turned for sure, but the courage on that guy and the, the uh, dedication to his team is phenomenal. Can't say enough about him. But you asked about Osterley, and the decor was very solid. Uh, Osterley coming in late in that respect was due to warm up, so he had a sense of like usually you you always want to prepare when you're warming up but at the same time like yeah he he got himself in the right mindset quite well and he had a real strong game for us so he deserves a lot of credit for that because it's um it's you know warming up isn't the same as playing and this is a this is a tough opponent and there are a lot of tough situations on the ice tonight so i think that um jordan did a great job of getting himself ready to go on late notice for sure there haven't been many off nights for the Flames in the month of November, but Ryan Huska described last Wednesday's game against the Predators as, quote-unquote, slow and sloppy. Was tonight's game against the Stars pretty much the polar opposite of that? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I think that it was really, like, yeah. and as Megan alluded to, our offense was humming. Like, it felt like we were moving. You know, we, we, we you always have your moments in a game, but... In general, like we were making plays, we were playing with pace, we were finding the middle of the ice, 
we were executing and but then the I think one of the best parts of it Derek is that we were also defensively fairly sound you know there weren't there was a, a couple gaffes but in general in our defensive zone we were in shot lanes we were giving um, Markstrom situations that weren't too much to ask like they were the kind of situations you want to give your goalie without asking him to all of a sudden push off and save something on the back door all of a sudden so uh, good credit to uh, the guys all the way through for a real solid game Thank you, Cal. Good All stuff right. as always. Thank Appreciate you guys. it. Cal McLean, Flames assistant coach, joining us here post game on our Flames Talk post game show, following a Flames 4 3 overtime win over the Dallas Stars here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Flames take two of three from the Stars this regular season. Uh, we'll get back to the Zadorov trade in a second, but let's select tonight's hardest working flame. Brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Are you the hardest working plumber or HVAC tech? Canyon's hiring. Send resumes to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Okay, Mick, which way are you thinking on tonight's hardest working? This one's pretty easy for me tonight. Mainly, we talked about him almost all night long. And Noah Hannafin, he was just, he was all over the ice. And the way that he defended, he blocked some some huge shots. I also thought his play in the neutral zone was really strong in terms of, as a defense, you know, you want your gap to be really tight and um, be forcing the opponent. He was really, really strong in that regard as well. And just his reads all over the ice. And obviously, the offense that he brought, uh, just activating off of the, the blue line and the disallowed goal. It was a great shot on net yep. uh, with traffic. He had 14 shot attempts. Yep. <laughs> that is insane. And four so, hits, to your point. Yeah, four hits. Just a, a really solid night by Noah Hannafin. I particularly, obviously as a former defenseman, I love seeing D that do a really good job of balancing their game in terms of their offense and their defense. And I just feel like he really brought a complete game tonight and was the best player for the Flames. Uh, Hannah Finn had, as you mentioned, the 14 shot attempts, five shots, uh, six of those attempts for scoring chances, two wow. high dangers. So, yeah, solid night for Noah Hannafin. He's your hardest working flame tonight, brought to you by Canyon Plumbing and Heating. Want to get recognized and rewarded for your achievements? Learn from the best. Send your resume to jobs at canyonplumbing.com. Okay, so we have this win. The Flames beat the, um, the Dallas Stars in overtime. And then we also have a trade and, uh, you know, significant Flames news. And uh, that's a, a, a big, big subtraction from the roster as they take out one of their regular Literally top five defensemen. Yeah, in both, <laughs> in both cases. Um, now that we've had it, it it's uh, just after 10 o'clock Calgary time as we're talking now. Uh, the trade happened just after 4 o'clock. So we've had a little more than six hours to digest it. And we've seen a game without Sidorov in it. Sidorov will make his Vancouver Canucks debut on Saturday against the Flames here in this building. Flames got a third and a fifth round pick in return. What um, what do we think? How have we reflected on the trade now that we've had a little time to uh, digest it? Well, to be honest, I wasn't blown away by the return. I'm not saying it was a bad trade. Uh, we'll have to wait and see what the Flames do with those picks. Maybe they use them and, and draft players. Maybe they trade them and acquire players. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, so the jury is out on that. But I thought that there was an outside chance that if they waited for a, a team to get really desperate, they could maybe get a first-round pick. But I thought for sure they would get a second-round pick, although I guess you could argue that a third and a fifth uh, could be equivalent to a second. So uh, it wasn't blown away by the return. Um, 
But I feel like it was as much about getting a third and fifth round pick as it was removing a distraction from this team. There's been a lot of noise around this team this season. From absences to injuries to suspensions to uh, a 2-7-1 and one start, which included a six-game losing streak, to talk of a, a retool or a rebuild, to Nikita Zadorov saying that uh, Daryl Sutter's gone, so so should the excuses. That didn't go over well, very well in the dressing room. To the public trade request by his agent, Dan Milstein, after that game against the Maple Leafs a couple of weeks ago. So they've... Uh, They've removed a distraction, and they've removed a player who made it public that he didn't want to be here. And Craig Conroy has said since day one, I want players who want to be in Calgary and who want to play for the Flames. Zdorov's agent, Milstein, made it clear that his guy wasn't one of those guys. So the Flames, I think, were in a position where they probably had to make a move sooner rather than later. And I think that equally as important to the return is the fact that uh, they've now got uh, someone out of the dressing room who had caused some distractions this season. Yeah, and I I said it on the post-game show, or on the pre-game show, sorry, Mm -hmm. with Pat in that the most important thing for a team in order to have success is you have to have good chemistry in the locker room. So Mm -hmm. sort of building off of your point, there's no doubt that you know, things were, he, he ruffled some feathers. That's, I think that that's fair to say. And so, you know, we talk about the return that you're, that you're getting for Nikita Zadorov. And yes, it, I, that was my first reaction as well. And that could, you've gotten a little bit more given the circumstances. Okay. You know, you're thinking closer to the trade deadline. Uh, you know, you wanted to move this guy as soon as possible, but in offloading him, like you said, you also potentially like one benefit of that is you're strengthening your locker room. And I just talked about the fact that games like this, winning games like this, that brings your team closer together makes you stronger while all in one day you get rid of someone that was potentially a a real distraction and was messing with the chemistry in the locker room and then you win a game like that you think of how you know that can really bring a group together and there's been too much and so much work that's been done around changing the culture and the environment around the team this season that you have to think that management coaches they're willing to do anything to make sure that the locker room is strong that the chemistry is really good so you know as a former player that's that's where my mind goes mostly and just that you know the the positive impact that it could have on the chemistry in the room there'll be uh, a lot of time to talk on the phone lines and the text line as we continue along i'll say this um i i think the first of all the, the idea that there was a whole lot more out there for them right now and they, they didn't bring it in, it's just not true. Because um, they would have done it, it yeah. obviously. Yeah. The, the, the other part is, is do I think they, had they waited another three months, uh, more than three months, had they waited closer to the trade deadline? Could they have gotten more? Yeah, I and mean, there's, there's a potential that I don't know for sure, but I think, yeah, maybe they could have gotten more had they waited. I just don't think that that was necessarily a tenable situation for the Flames. Yeah. I do think this has been on the front burner 
ever since the trade request got public. I do believe that Craig Conroy has been working to try to expedite this as soon as possible without, without you know, just giving him away. They had a price that they wanted to hit, and they wanted to do this in an expedited fashion because of those things. I, just, I, I, I really think it's important to uh, remember a few things in this. Maybe number one is that, yeah, this was a distraction, and it was, I think, Nikita was uncomfortable uh, after the whole thing, yeah. and that leads to just overall discomfort. And then the fact that they've cleared out $3.75 million on their cap without retaining a single dollar and also have kept all three of the retention slots for future trades, that that's important too, and, and there is a win in the cap space in there. So do I think that they you know hit this incredible home run and fleece the Canucks? No, but I also don't I, I, I don't agree with the sentiment out there that says, oh, well, the Flames just got taken to school and Vancouver fleeced them. It, it's, it's a guy who was a number five D-man who put a public trade request out there and hampered their leverage and also was a situation in the locker room they needed to address. They did so in about three weeks' time and got two picks for it. So I, I and got all that cap space, the accruing cap space as we speak right now starting tomorrow. So I, 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 I don't think it's a bad trade. I think it's a just fine trade for the Flames. And with all due respect to Nikita Zadorov, who is a good player and who is a rare player in the sense that he's six foot six, 248 pounds. He's one of the biggest guys in the league, but he can skate like the wind. That's the plus side. The negative side is he's a bit of a roller coaster. You, you sometimes don't know what you're going to get, good or bad. Um, he was the least valuable of their four big pending UFAs. you got Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev and Nikita Zadorov. So, mm-hmm. you know, what they do with the next three guys, if anything, maybe they sign them, maybe they trade them. We'll have to wait and see. It'll be interesting. But uh, the cap space is important, Pat, because it gives them flexibility in a number of different ways. They can now yeah. call guys up from the Calgary Wranglers without having to do as Brad Treleving used to say, uh, salary cap Cirque du Soleil, because mm-hmm. they're so tight to the cap. And if they want to bring someone in to bolster the team, they've got some room to do it. If they decide to go the other route and rebuild or retool, they could potentially take on uh, a bad contract to facilitate a trade or to bring, it, bring in picks and prospects. So uh, it was a move that had to happen. Again, I'm not jumping for joy about the return. I don't think it's a, a bad trade for the Flames. And on the Canucks side of things, I give them a lot of credit because their blue line has been their Achilles heel for forever. They've got a really good goaltender in Thatcher Demko. They've had plenty of talent up front for a number of years now, but their defense core has been a big problem, and they've addressed it since last season. So, they're going to be a tough team to beat. Uh, more of your phone calls, or not more of, but your phone calls and your texts coming up in just a few minutes on our Flames Talk postgame show. We're just about to hear from head coach Ryan Huska as well. 4-3 in overtime. Flames beat the Dallas Stars here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Before all that, though, some final thoughts from Megan Mickelson, who's leaving us for a week. Uh, and uh, we'll be back. Sad. On December, <laughs> what, December 11th uh, is when you'll be back yes, for the uh, Colorado game? Yep. Uh, so Megan is gone for four, uh, but some final thoughts from our broadcast duo, starting with Megan Mickelson. Yeah, really like the way that the Flames just continue to build their game. And if you think back to the start of the season, which feels like forever ago, 
show, but you know, we were talking about their D zone and how they had to work on their D zone while well, they fixed that. And then it was, okay, they got to figure out how to ride the momentum swings in games and make sure that they're not getting too high or getting too low yeah. while well, they fix that. And then it was, okay, now you need to, to produce more and to put the puck in the back of the net and to execute while well, they fix that too. So I just, I really like the way that they continue to build their game. I think that that's a product of Ryan Huska and the coaching staff and the mentality that they have of you come to the rink every single day and, and you put your work boots on and you, you try to get better and you keep adding layers and you keep making adjustments. So, you know, the, the offensive uh, creativity and just what they're generating in terms of, being a really exciting team to watch. This is an exciting hockey team to watch right now, which is not something that can always have been said about this Flames team. So just the way that they continue to build their game, liked tonight in the sense of, you know, there was that unflappable, nothing phases us, nothing mm-hmm. bothers us uh, type of mentality um, and swagger about the group and just the way that they stuck with it and, and found a way to win. My favorite part was when they scored the game-winning goal and the way that you saw the guys celebrating together. And that's what you really start to see a team really bonding and gelling and forming. Yeah, they're playing for each other mm-hmm. and they're winning with each other right now. It's been a lot of fun to watch. So the Flames were 2-7-1 in their first 10 games and a lot of people thought, that's who they are. They're just not very good. But now 8-3-2 and two in their last 13 games. The month of November started with a 4-3 loss to the Stars. And I remember us sitting in this room after that game saying, you know what? Looked like the Flames kind of turned a corner tonight. Remember how good they were in the third period mm-hmm. that night? Yep. They could have, maybe even should have won that hockey game. And that was the, the final game of their season-long six-game losing streak. And for me, that was the early turning point in this season for the team because after that they went on the run that I just talked about and uh, it's been a really good 13 game stretch I guess ironic that the month started with a 4-3 loss to the Stars on November 1st and ended with a 4-3 overtime win versus the Stars on November 30th but this is a good hockey team right now you know, Jacob Markstrom looks a lot like the guy who we saw two seasons ago when he was a runner-up for the Vesna Trophy. Their defense, which we thought was a strength at the start of the season, has really become one, even without Nikita Zadorov, Their top four is fantastic. And I didn't mind the third pairing tonight with Dennis Gilbert and Jordan Osterley, who stepped in and I thought played a good game. And up front, we've talked a lot about how they, they changed things up in the defensive zone playing man-on-man for the last couple of seasons under Daryl Sutter and now playing zone under Ryan Huska. And right from the get-go, they talked about how much pressure there was going to be on the centermen in this new system. Because if they weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing in the D zone, the Flames were going to be in trouble. The Flames' strengths for me are goaltending, top four on defense, and top three at center. And Elias Lindholm's starting to look like the guy who finished uh, fourth in Selkie Trophy voting a few seasons ago. Nazem Kadri, you could argue, has been the Flames' best player this season. And Michael Backlund's been his 200-foot self. This team's playing some really good hockey right now, and uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. So uh, after a, a rough month of October and a really good month of November, 
I can't wait to see what uh, December holds for us. Yeah, two calendar months in the books, and uh, next up is uh, December, December 2nd, that's Saturday, against the Vancouver Canucks. Any storylines going into that game, Pat? Anything <laughs> yeah, you no can kidding. think of? Um, <laughs> excited to see the reaction that Nikita Zadorov gets. Oh, I can't wait. Do uh, you think he gets booed? I have no idea. I really don't. Maybe. Um, I think so. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. That's Saturday night. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, have a good rest of your night. Thanks, friends. Bonsoir. Thanks, Pat. Uh, that'll do it for Megan Mickelson and Derek Wills on this Thursday night following a 4-3 overtime win over Dallas. Let's hear from head coach Ryan Huska as he just finished up following his team's victory to wrap up the month of November. I guess, Ryan, off the top, Zadorov gets dealt in, in the afternoon. How did you find out, and how do you think the you and your the team processed that? And you- um, I, felt out, I found out from Connie um, when it happened, and I thought the team did a really good job. And I think it's just kind of a carryover of their ability to kind of deal with outside noise again. It's all part of it, and we have a lot of guys that have been around trades before, and um, they happen. You, teammates that are good friends go to different places, but it's it's part of the business. Yeah. And on a night when uh, you lose a regular defenseman back there, the rest of your defensive court continues to do what they've been doing. There's a little bit of irony there, but just what can you say about what you're seeing offensively from your blue line? I'd like to see them continue to score. I'll tell you that much. It's nice to see them um, generating. Even, I mean, Chris, um, at times, he's not a guy that typically we look to for, for offense, but... Um, they're they're up in the play a little bit more right now, and they're they're making good decisions with the puck. But even um, Dennis and, and Osterley for his first game back in a while, I thought he played similar to the way he played his first exhibition game here against Vancouver. So that was a positive thing for us that he went down and um, worked on some things that we've asked him to work on. Did a good job tonight. Nice to see that Chris is sort of avoiding putting himself in harm's way again. Yeah, he was smarter this time. He turned to go the other direction on that one. It, it just says so much about the guy. It really does. Like he's, uh, he's an important person around our room, not just for his ability on the ice, but um, the quality and character of person that he is. Yep. Momentum is such an important part of sports. Does it feel like you guys have it a little bit right now? Like it feels like you're rolling. Yeah, I feel like we do have a little bit right now. I mean, we've played some good hockey over the last little while. Um, the challenge now is making sure that that continues. I mean, we have a, a tough game again coming up on Saturday night against a really good team. So um, we have to turn a page after tonight and, and get ourselves ready for Vancouver. You mentioned after Uyghur's overtime goal that you got to the dressing room as quickly as possible. You didn't have that option? Today. I came back. I didn't know what was going on. From when I first saw it, I didn't think there was going to be anything wrong with it. But um, I guess they have to make sure on everything. About the, the group's resiliency this year, uh, obviously, you know sometimes goals that get wiped out on a challenge, they can deflate a team. You still had about five minutes left in the clock. What's what's the key to making sure that something like that doesn't and take the wind out of the group's sails and you keep pushing through it? Uh, I don't know if there's a key to it. I just felt like tonight they, our bench, felt like we're we're coming back to win tonight. It had that feeling all night. It really did. That um, when the penalty shot goal went in, um, there was no. Uh, there was no sag, nothing like that. So they honestly, they felt tonight that they were going to win the game. And you can see it um, after situations where they gave something up. They came back with a good shift and found a way. Is there any way to develop that on the bench other than to just have come back in a few leading up to this? Um, it gives you the confidence by being able to do that for sure. But again, I, we've talked a lot about it over the last little bit. The, the guys in the room are starting to take that over. And that's an important thing. So Michael and his group of guys have done a really good job there. So in that sense, Ryan, when, when you are trailing as a coach, are you just letting 
Backlund and the others communicate? Like, are, are you offering positive reinforcement behind that? Oh, What's no. your role? They're, they're still, no, up or down, there's still communication and, and push from the bench players to players, coach to players. That's, that's always there no matter what situation you're in. Audrey, about one of, like, Zari had those two rushes in the first period, and, and the second one, like, I don't even know what he did. He went outside, inside. It, it was fun to watch. Yeah. And Kadri just said, I like the courage. Yeah. Is, that, is that how you feel watching what, what he's doing? Yeah, I think that's probably, Cads would probably say that, because that was probably Cads when he was young, you know, if you look back at it. So he probably sees a little bit of himself, I would assume, um, when he watches that. But um, courage or confidence, I don't know what's the better word because you don't see a lot of young guys trying to do things like that. McKenzie's tied for the team lead in goals right now. What are you seeing out of him that's letting him have that success offensively? He, he's shooting the puck a lot this year, a lot more than he had in the past for us, and he's putting himself in position to be able to get it away a little bit quicker. And again, I'll say he's feeling good about where he's at right now. So he's enjoying being at the rink, and he's enjoying um, how he's playing too, which goes a long way. I, I appreciate you haven't had a lot of time to reflect on it yet, but you coached the defenseman for a long time. You've been thinking as head coach. Just how difficult is it to say goodbye to a player like that? It's you. You spend time with guys. You develop relationships with them, um, and every player has different personality that you get to know and you get to appreciate. Um, so it's hard when you lose a player for sure. Um, but it's also opportunity, and that's the way I look at it. So you lose you lose a good person out of your room, but now it's an opportunity for another good person to kind of seize the day. And that's the way we have to approach things. And um, like I said tonight, I thought our guys in the back end really um, did a great job collectively of, of playing hard and playing the right way. There you go, head coach Ryan Huska post-game following his team's 4-3 overtime win here at the Dome over the Dallas Stars. As we are well underway on our Flames Talk post-game show, we're available wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and more. Go ahead and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Get your phone calls in right now. Phone lines are jammed on a Thursday, 403-240-4444. We'll get to that very shortly. Text lines starting to fill up as well at 960-960. Flames back to 500 on the year at 10-10-3. They'll try to go above 500 come Saturday night when they host the Vancouver Canucks. Your phone calls and more around the corner. This is your Flames Talk post-game show, and this is Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Flames Talk post-game show continues from the Tot Stove Lounge on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Okay, your final score. Flames take a 4-3 overtime victory over the Dallas Stars here at the Scotiabank Saddledome as we are well underway on your Flames Talk post-game show on a Thursday night. Steinberg along with you on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon and live right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Phone numbers, 403-240-4444. Text line, 960-960. Let's uh, hear from Nazem Kadri right now if we can uh, get that all queued up and ready to go because uh, Nazem Kadri had the overtime winner. He was you know what? That line looked like it was back as well. The Kadri Pospisil Zary line looked a little more dangerous than it has the last couple of games. Zary was popping. Kadri's been good throughout. Pospisil had a good uh, couple of chances. And uh, of course, Nazem Kadri wins the game in overtime at the 62nd mark of the extra frame. Let's hear from Nazem Kadri right now, post game inside the locker room. Was there any doubt uh, on, from your vantage point about that last play that ended? Well, of course. I mean, having one, having one called back earlier in the game, you're not quite sure. I mean, goal interference is always a question mark. Uh, you know, I thought it was a good goal from the start, but obviously, you know, in the back of your mind, anything can happen. Um, 
obviously they're going to kind of challenge it. It's a game-winning goal, but, uh, you know, I was pretty confident in it. That's what can I say uh, just about the resilience? I think you've talked about it a lot, but it mm. just continues to grow. It doesn't matter if it's the back-end scoring or the guys up front kind of chipping in with time. It mm. seems like this group is never uh, phased by kind of the hand that's being dealt. That's right. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, that's that's – a bonding experience more than anything. I think that pulls a uh, team closer together. And, uh, you know, I think you're seeing that today. You know, guys are laying out, paying the price, doing whatever it takes. And, uh, you know, that's that's a that's a playoff quality to have. When you learn of a trade prior to a game as close to you coming to the rink as you did today, what does that do to this room? Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's a shitty business. You know, that's just how it is. It's, uh, you know, it's... Uh, you get to know somebody there in your room every single day, and the next thing you know, it's uh, they're on a different team. So especially when it's a friend of yours, you uh, you know you get a little sensitive about it. But at the end of the day, um, you know they're going to be friends for a long time. But you know we got work to do, and obviously it was a big game against a good team. So it's nothing you can do but uh, kind of move on. Did this group see the, that trade request or demand as a distraction in this room? I, I don't think so. I mean, it was a storyline for for a little bit, but I mean, uh, you know. He's a quality person. Obviously, he wants what's best for his future, and I wish him all the best. And uh, you know, he's a great player. That's gonna that's gonna help that team. And uh, you know, it's nice nice we at least got some return. What will it be like Saturday? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's staying in town or he's gonna have a few bucks on the board. That's for sure. I'm, I'm curious to know exactly uh, what it is. But uh, you know, we we, we don't uh, look at those things kind of like you guys do. It's you know, we're playing the Canucks against a good team. Got to be ready to play. What, uh, what can you say? You, you know you knew him in Colorado, too. What can you say about Z as a human being and, and what he brought to this organization? Uh, the yeah, yeah. He's, he's a good teammate. You know, he's a guy that, uh, you know, you can give it to and he gives it back. And, you know, those are always, are always fun guys to have in the room because they don't take it too personal. And, uh, you know, they can they can take a chirp and, and give one out, too. So, uh, you know, again, it's, uh, it's a tough business having to, um, you know, watch guys come and go on, on the drop of a hat. But, uh, you know. This is uh, this is where I wish I was in the media business. <laughs> so no, you don't. You guys get you guys get turned up. Take your paychecks. Yeah, 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 I hear you. Go less sleep. Sorry, with him gone and your defenseman going, get three goals. There's mm-hmm. still a lot of talent on that blue line, but you know we've asked you before. But how much of those guys them chipping in? How much, how much is that part of the turnaround? Huge, huge. I mean, they're scoring goals and. Um, you know, those goals, I feel like, are, are, you know, the outcome of the goals, obviously, are the defense and scoring, but, you know, everybody's kind of on the same page, pulling on the same rope, and, you know, we like to get our D, D involved. I mean, that's part uh, of the offense we have. We've, we we know we can score. We know we can get on the board, including those guys, and they got good skill, and that's what happens when you shoot the puck. That's three games against the same good team in Dallas in a month. What kind of progression have you seen from your group over the last three games against Dallas? Yeah, great teams. Not only them. I mean, we've had a we've had a string with some good performances and showed a lot of heart and come out some with some points. More more importantly, so uh, you know, obviously these are measuring sticks. You know, quarter way through the season, you know, you're not going to make a huge deal of it, of course, but it's always good to see. Zary had a couple really nice moments on the roster. I'm sure you know the one I'm talking about in the first period. He was like inside, outside. I don't even know what he did. Yeah. Do you just kind of shake your head when he does something like that because it's amazing to see. Well, I love the courage, you know, I love the courage because, uh, you know, that's what it takes to uh, make plays in this league. You got you to gotta be willing to try it. And if you make a mistake, you got to be, you know, obviously be, be more responsible, but willing to try it again. So uh, that's what all great players do. They can flush their mistakes and, you know, um, it's 
Sarah's obviously got the skill off the rush. He's, he's a good player, can make things happen. And there you go. That is Nazem Kadri post-game following a Flames 4-3 overtime win over Dallas. Let's get to tonight's Save the Game brought to you by Shane Holmes. And you know there were a couple of instances in the third period when I thought to myself, you know what? The Flames probably are going to come back and tie this thing. I, first of all, I was not feeling super confident in Wedgwood's game. I thought Wedgwood was okay, but you know, they just seemed very susceptible. That was one. Then when Ty Smith hit the post on that uh, opportunity, on that breakaway, I was like, okay, they probably needed to capitalize there if you're the Stars. And then our save of the game, which comes from Jacob Markstrom, who is back in net tonight after having to miss Monday with illness. And uh, his save of the game, and in this case, saves of the game, come in period at number three. Double number 20. Suter will pick it up and play it ahead to Ben, who gets by Uyghur. Ben spins and protects the puck. And feeds it in front. Sagan drops it. Duchesne shoots it. And he stopped not once, but twice by Markstrom. Two huge saves by the Flames goaltender to prevent the Stars from taking a two-goal lead. Yeah, those were uh, two of Jacob's 13 stops tonight, and they ended up being huge ones. And those are his saves of the game. The save of the game brought to you by Shane Holmes. For every save a Flames goaltender makes, Shane Holmes makes a donation to Kidsport Calgary. Visit ShaneHolmes.com, the better way to build at that time. Uh, it was a 3-2 Dallas as Mason Marchman's penalty shot goal was standing up as the go-ahead marker. Uh, the Stars did not go up by two. And then eventually Michael Backlund tied it, and then it was called back. It was the right call, but called back, some adversity. And then a few minutes later, Weger tied it, and then one minute into overtime, the Flames won it. So uh, there you go. That's your save of the game on this Thursday. Let's get to the text line for the first time tonight at 960-960. Where the heck do I want to start here? Uh, let's go all the way down to this one, starting this one here from Leandro. Uh, Leandro says, check it in, Patty. Wow, what a fun game. Love the cheer from the crowd for Markstrom's little dipsy doodle with the puck there. Uh, hard to fault him for those goals tonight, but hey, decent bounce back from the big Swede uh, coming back from illness. Thoughts on his performance tonight, and hey, Huberdo and Kadri go together for the game winner. You love to see it. What a game. Yeah, I thought Markstrom didn't face a lot of shots, only the 16, but I thought he was gave the team what they needed more than an opportunity to win tonight. Um, as for Huberdo and Kadri, yeah, you'll take that, hey? Uh, overtime winner with those two combining on it, you'll take that all day. Um, this from Ty. Ty here again. Uh, these flames just will not roll over and die, and I love it. Sad to see Z go, but maybe that means Hannafin or Tanev, or maybe even both can stick around. The fellas are rolling. Love listening. Uh, we'll see how it goes with some of these other UFAs. Uh, this says, what a great comeback by the Flames. It seemed like they were going to win. A much different story from last season. When they were down, it never seemed like they'd come back. Loving this comeback team. You know, I don't even really feel like, I, again, the last two don't feel like comebacks to me. You can sell that story. I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying, to me, they don't feel like comebacks. They just feel like good games that they happen to trail in. But, yeah, they were just, they, they, they stuck with. See, it's it's more about, sticking with it it's more about not getting away from their game for me than it is about them buckling down and playing better when they're trailing like against vegas yeah they trailed one nothing most of that game but uh, they were the better team for most of that game trailing or tied and tonight yeah they fell down one nothing for four minutes or whatever and they had the penalty shot go against them and fell down three two but especially tied two two in the third second period and then for the third period down by one 
I thought they were just the better team, and they, they don't, they're, they're doing a much better job of not getting away from their game, and that, I think, is a really important trait to continue seeing build. Um, this says, does Zadorov actually get better ice time in Vancouver? That was the catalyst of him and his agent requesting a trade in the first place. Zadorov's worried about his dollar value in free agency. I do think, at least to start, he will get better ice time just because they're a little depleted on the back end. Uh, and Vancouver is, is going to use him in a big way because they've been they've been big fans of his and coveted him. So, yeah, um, I, I do think he will. Uh, this from Ash. Resiliency once again by this team, and Huberdeau picking up three points. I do have to say he picked up two. They took one away from him in the first period, so it was just two points. Uh, but it looked like it was going to be three points. Uh, finally, in 2021, I called your post-game show for my one and only call and had proposed a trade involving Hannafin to the Isles for draft picks and Oliver Wallstrom. I believe that Friedman's recently speculated that Lou Lamorello has inquired about a possible trade involving Hannafin for a first-round pick, Wallstrom, and Romanov. What are your thoughts on that rumored trade if it were come to come to fruition? I'd be all over that. That'd be a great return for the Flames if they ended up moving Hannafin. There'd probably be an extension involved in that, too. I think that'd be a great return for them. Um, so, yeah, Ash, I think that would be that, – that's the type of trade I think you'd be looking for if you're the Flames. Uh, this says, even though the Flames didn't score a power play goal tonight, I thought their power play looked much more dangerous. Good movement and crisp passing provided some solid scoring opportunities with the man advantage. Hopefully this is how the power play will look from here on out. I also liked it Monday against Vegas, so a couple games in a row where it hasn't scored but it's looked a little more dangerous, maybe that can be a building block. Um, this says, seems like the team's clearing out the old Sutter guy. Lewis, Lucic, Toffoli, and now Zadorov. The culture change is happening, and you think Sutter is tearing his hair out seeing the Flames win all these close games that they lost last year. I don't get the sense that Daryl's that's really going to bother him. I don't. Um, but yes, I do think it's interesting that a lot of those quote-unquote Daryl guys have been have been moved out. And they are winning some of these close games. They've won some one-goal games. There's no doubt about it. Um this from Evan, another tough night for Team Tank. Maybe just maybe this team and the roster is better than Negative Nancy's give it credit for. Uh, this says, this is the most fun we've seen the Flames in a while. There's no need to rebuild, only get rid of a few guys distracting the room. Having guys like Huberto and Nas are huge, but also having youth like Zary and Pospisil big for them. Get rid of some guys, and maybe by next summer they can pull a Nylander and be a threat to the league. Um, this says, I'm indifferent to the Nikita trade, but curious how things went from I want to be a flame for life to I want to trade. Well, I think what happened there is, first of all, there was no contract, and there weren't really any like serious, serious contract talks. And so Zadorov came to training camp and started the year, and there weren't any, uh, there weren't any meaningful contract talks, right? And then... You go from there to he was being played as the number five defenseman on the second pair. I do believe that Dan Milstein and the Zadorov camp went to the Flames and, and tried to see if maybe there was a long-term offer there. I believe it was kind of like a six- or a seven-year offer. They're like, hey, we'd, we'd like to talk about this. And the Flames... Well, I know we're not ready to go down that road. We have we got to figure out what's happening with Hannafin and Lindholm before we commit to other players for those type of terms. And so, because of that, uh, I I don't I don't think it was like insulting or anything like that. But I do think that they that 
the fact there wasn't a long-term contract conversation, the fact that there wasn't top four ice time coming, and the fact that he is a pending unrestricted free agent, I think that that is part of why the Zadorov camp decided to go, okay, you know what, maybe a trade as they're trying to maximize their value in unrestricted free agency, maybe why they decided to go with the trade route as opposed to uh, him signing here long term. Uh, Stafford and Boness says on the game a resilient club that wouldn't let the officials dictate the outcome of the game Zeri was very noticeable Uyghur being clutch once again Markstrom making the huge saves when required it's safe to say that this club has turned the corner with them being 3-0 and against the likes of Vegas and Dallas on the trade regardless of what they got in return for a player that didn't want to be here what this deal does is give Conroy lots of options he didn't have a day ago it begs the question is there another deal in the works that would not have been available without freeing up 3.7 million in cap space and that's just it retention was going to be needed for a lot of other teams that might have been interested in bringing Zadorov in Vancouver didn't need retention and that's also an important part of this trade. This says, Pat, great win today for the boys. Sad to see Big Z go. Thought they could get more for him. Why Vancouver? This could bite them in the butt down the road. Uh, are you not doing Game in a Minute anymore? Uh, no, we have. We, that, that is currently not a sponsored piece, so not currently a part of what we're doing right now. Um... This says, I took a peek at the Flame stats. They have 11 players with 10-plus points compared to Edmonton with 6, Vegas with 7, L.A. with 9, etc. Um, it's a deep team lacking a star. This reads from Sam. Wow, wow, and wow. These Dallas games always live up to the hype. Amazing to see three different D light the lamp tonight. In terms of the big Z trade, would have liked a little bit higher on picks return, but like that they don't have any carry, have to carry any retained salary. Who would you like to see get some looks on the back end from the Wranglers? Um, I think the guy that would be at the top of my list would be Solovyov, uh, just because we saw him for a couple of games. I know the Flames are, are really, really big on him. So Solovyov would be the one for me. Like That would be the guy that I would say, number one, I'd like to see and, and get the – and I think they will be recalling a player, whether it's Friday or Saturday. I do think they'll be recalling a player uh, ahead of Saturday's game. They didn't in this one tonight just because uh, they had already recalled Osterley and decided to put him in. But I do think that um, Solovyov would be number one on my kind of next up list. You know, Poirier would be interesting, but Poirier's hurt down there and still a little ways away. And then the next guy, I mean, DeSimone, we know what he's all about. And if they're looking for a right shot guy, he could really be helpful. And then down the road, I'd be curious if a guy like Kuznetsov might get uh, a look. So I guess it would go one Solovyov, two DeSimone, and three Kuznetsov would be kind of my rankings. We'll see what the Flames end up doing. My guess is that Solovyov will be the guy that gets called up. And we'll see how it goes. Um, and and we'll see how he plays after getting a couple games in, in the NH at the NHL level earlier. And finally from TJ, before we hit the phone lines, was it both games against Vegas and Dallas? I don't think there's enough credit that goes to Sharon Govich. He's a big part of this team's turnaround, and he's going to keep getting better. Unfortunately, he's always going to be the player that was traded for Toffoli, but I really like him as a player. Along with many other listeners, I think it's time to move on from Lazy Ruzichka. They've given him enough chances, and he just looks like someone who hates his job. We all know that one type of employee at work. Uyghur's a stud. Also, what do you think is fair return for the three unrestricted free agents left if a trade were to happen? Um, I mean, I think Lindholm and Hannafin are both packages, including first-rounders plus. Uh, Tanev, I think, 
that you could probably be talking about a second round pick and maybe more for a guy like him who's got such a good reputation around the league. That would be my quick answer on those. Great stuff on the text line at 960-960. Let's get to the phone lines for the first time tonight at 403-240-4444. Flames win 4-3 in overtime over the Dallas Stars. This is your Flames Talk postgame show on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ryan is kicking us off. What's up, Ryan? Hey, Pat. Nice to uh, be part of the game tonight. I haven't heard from you since last year. And uh, old school Calgary Flame. And it's back. It's nice to be back. Um, especially listening last year, Pat, how the fans of Calgary, how hard they were on you and on the team. And it's really nice this year, <clears throat> excuse me, that they're finalizing compared to last year. And, uh, like all these overtimes and it, it just, the, 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 the flame, <laughs> the passion, um, Derek was so positive. I think that's why they won tonight. Uh, no matter what, one, two, three penalties wasn't called, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, he was still joking about it and he kind of knew in his heart that, you know, they, they were going to come back because they were doing so good, so many shots. And that's was one of my worries is that other teams, other games tonight, they were they had a lot of shots and they lost. And Calgary had a lot of shots and they won. And it just feels like this team is coming back. So anyway, my question to you mm-hmm. uh, about the Sidorov um, that I like as a player too Um now that he's over there, it scares me, Vancouver, because they're, yep. they're hot and they're doing they're hot. And now, who? And now they're coming here in our face. Like, who do we have to back this guy up? Right? Like, I know Chris Simon's out of the question, but who do we have to not? Right? Like, who would be their their tough guy? Intimidation. Uh, I mean, A.J. Greer tried to do that against Vegas on Monday. Remember when uh, William Carrier ran um, Dan Vladar? Greer tried to get at him, so I would say he'd be the first one. But, I mean, yeah. Zadorov, Zadorov wasn't really that guy who was getting in a lot of fights either. Um, he is a big guy. He's the biggest guy on the team, one of the biggest guys in the league. I think, uh, think Wilsey told me earlier today that second biggest guy in the league. Just well, kind of like of Armour Jack guys. You know, he's not the top of the top, but he still stand up for his... Well, I mean, when you're that big, you kind of are always probably going to be difficult to, to chuck him with. But I think Greer's that guy on that on this team right now. Nice. Um, but, yeah, so Megan, she's... Uh, I haven't heard much from her. She's, she's a natural. It's really nice to hear from her, and especially even around you guys, even Derek. Everybody goes silent when she talks. She, she knows her stuff, and uh, I, I don't know. I just feel after tonight... It felt like you guys are hungry for the cup. I know it's a big, uh, big talk. But anyway, I'm going to let you guys go because probably a lot of guys are flaming out there. But uh, nice to see you guys uh, flaming. <laughs> have a good night, Pat. Okay, Ryan. Thank you, man. Believe me, we uh, we don't have anything to do with with the victories or the losses. It's not our fault. Um, but. Uh, 
It's not our fault, but it's also not on us when they win. Um, and then the other guy that I'd mention is, as Wilsey just texted me as well, as he's listening on his drive home to Cochran. Uh, Dennis Gilbert does that as well. Dennis Gilbert fights all the time. So you got a couple of guys, Greer and Gilbert, um, who who would be in that mix. 403-240-4444 is your phone number as we say hello to George on this Thursday night. What's up, George? Not much, Patty. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Good, man. All right, Patty, here we go. I personally am not a fan of the Dorov trade for quite a few reasons. So the first one being, in my opinion, he's worth more than a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick, uh, especially with the third being in 2026. So the Flames gave up a third to Chicago to get him, and his stock has risen since then. I don't think you can argue that. So then why would you basically take the same thing back for him? To me, he's worth a second easily. But he wasn't getting those offers. Understood, which goes to my second point. I thought management was working on their timeline. That's all I heard from reporters, insiders, etc. The Flames will do this on their timeline. Exact quote. So what was the rush to jettison Zadorov so soon? I mean, you, Because you it was, cause it was a problem inside the room, George. So you're telling me that, like... Yes. You're telling me that there was infighting? Really? Okay, yeah. still, fine. I accept, I accept that. And, and, and infight, infighting is not the word I'd use, but it was a distraction inside the room. He was not comfortable in that room. It was just not a cohesive group. They're trying to build something here, and they there was a reason why they wanted to expedite this one. This one, they were like, yes, we're, we're going to do it. We're going to set a price, and but they're also going to try to do it in an expedited fashion. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And also, I, I, I just... I find it I find it strange that you know I, I know you're a bi- you're a big Zadorov fan, but Zadorov's a number five defenseman. What number five defensemen are getting second round picks? He's a number five defenseman on this team. And and, and I honestly, would, I'd argue. I, I think I think he's he's a four five defenseman in this league. In my opinion, yeah. I, I look. This is just my opinion. I hold him in higher. I think he's he's a top four defenseman on a lot of teams. I really think yeah. I definitely think he's gotten better since from when we got him. I get he can be an adventure. I get that, but maybe I have him more highly rated than other people do, and that's that's just an opinion of. Well, I, I, I mean, I, you, I you the there are lots of people who are there with you. I just don't think this is such a egregious mm-hmm. miss by the Flames. They the. There was a reason why I think I don't want to say there was urgency, but I think you wanted to do this in a somewhat expedited fashion because there was a public trade request of a guy who didn't want to be here. I think that there is reason to try to get your price quicker in that situation. I don't do not think that waiting till the trade deadline where you maybe could have gotten a second round pick would have made any sense in this case. Um, you know, Zadorov Zadorov. And, and his agent decided to go public with it. And that put a little bit of uh, put the flames in a little bit of a situation where they lost some leverage, but it also put them in a situation where they were. Um, I, we just lost George. I don't know what happened there. George quickly call back and we can continue the conversation. Um, and so they lost leverage and there was also a situation where it was a distraction in the locker room. So yeah, I, I look at, Tell me all you want that I'm shilling. I don't. I don't care. I don't think that a third and a fifth round pick is this egregious miss for a guy that 
was playing number five minutes on this team, and they were every other team was needing the Flames to retain salary and weren't, from what I understand, weren't willing to pay a premium to retain that salary as they should. So if you're the Flames, here's the Canucks who don't need you to retain salary, offering you a third and a fifth. And the other thing is, why does it matter that it's a 2026 third-round pick? Why is that all of a sudden a problem? I don't I don't understand this. Well, it's a 2026. So? Does the draft not work in 2026? Do they not hold a draft? I don't understand. I don't. I don't understand that one either. So no, I. I don't. I don't believe there was a significantly larger deal out there that the Flames missed on, and maybe they could have gotten more had they waited a little bit. But if they waited a little bit, what was a distraction already would have turned into more of a distraction. I believe. Uh, let's continue along. Say hello to Brad. What's going on, Brad? Hey, Pat. How are you doing? Good, man. How are you? <laughs> Not so bad, thanks. Um, do the referees have to go to a review board after each game? Like, do they watch their own tapes? Okay, re- officiating is bad sometimes. We're not talking about officiating. Was it great tonight? No. Are they going to get fired? Are the two guys going to get fired tonight? No. Let's move on. Well, do they get fined? <laughs> no, they don't. Let's move on. No, they don't. Eh? Okay. Uh, let's go with the trade then. Uh, if Vancouver was so wanting the door off, why wouldn't they offer up more? I don't even know how to answer that. They gave up two assets to bring in a player who is on an expiring contract and the team that traded him isn't retaining any of his $3.75 million salary. I, I don't, I don't, and okay. I wasn't in, I wasn't in the meetings. I, I don't even know. I don't even know how to answer that question. Okay. I just, you know, Vancouver's hurting on defense. So why did, we give them a good defenseman, but I would have got him out of our division <laughs> if could be. I see, and for me, Brad, I, I don't. The division thing never has really been a thing for me. Oilers, no. maybe, but if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna get the best return from Vancouver, and they're the team that can bring the player in without retaining. Look, I, I think Vancouver got a really good deal here too. Like I think the Canucks. They, I think this one works really well for them. I think there's a great deal for the Canucks. I really do. But I don't think it's a horrible deal for the Flames. I don't think this is some um, egregious miss that they uh, that they bungled so poorly. I, I don't I don't see it that way. No. Do you think Connor is uh, tough enough to be the GM? I think I, he's too I've, player friendly. I've had no issue with what he's done so far. Yeah, I just don't want to rise for a repeat, that's all. Because <laughs> that really tanked us for years. I mean, the guy's been on the job for like four months. Yes, that's. But I'm asking you if you think you if he has the toughness. What do you mean by toughness? Well, not to let other GMs walk over him because he is a rookie GM. I think so. I I quite liked what he I, I, I he he certainly hasn't let agents uh, in in my eyes anyway hasn't let agents walk all over him. Um, the 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 Toffoli camp wanted a seven year deal, 
And he said, we're not doing that. And they're like, well, then trade us. There's okay, I'll trade you. And and I thought got a pretty good return for a pending UFA in Tyler Toffoli. And then this one, even when his leverage gets taken away, he doesn't go right away. He waited a little bit and then made a trade where I thought the return was pretty fair on, on Zadorov and, and didn't have to retain any salary. So I don't know, man. Like, I, I – I think he's done a good job of not letting agents push him around. He's been patient with uh, Hannafin and Lindholm. I don't know. I, I actually, early on, I've, I'm, I'm not super critical of, of what, I've, what I've seen so far. Okay, good. Um, do you think Backlund's hurting? Uh, like, just do I think he's injured? not in the face of circle win. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know what his stats were tonight, but... Uh, tonight in the, the face of, of Dot. Uh, he's never been what I would call a uh, face-off specialist. He was 38% tonight in the face-off, Dot. Yeah. Okay. And uh, one last thing, Pat. Uh, credit to Gilbert for not getting goaded into that fight with Ben. Uh, didn't need a fight there. I thought that showed uh, some smarts from the young lad. Yeah. Not- Agree with that. The gloves. Yep. Okay. Thanks, Pat. All right, Brad. Be well, man. Yeah. Have a good night. 403-240-4444 is your phone number as the Flames take a 4-3 overtime win over Dallas. And we say hello to Tony. What's going on, Tony? Hey, Pat. How are you? Good, man. How are you? Not bad. Uh, I'll go right to the trade, man. Shocking. Yeah, shocking. I know know exactly what you're going to say as well. (laughs) My opinion is horrible trade. Of course it is. Yeah, in your opinion, they, they should have retained some. I rather they should have retained some salary, and hopefully got a second and maybe a prospect. Okay, then that's how go and GM your own team. That what what number five defenseman is getting that return? Is all I'm asking. Yeah. Okay, now what number five defenseman do we have that can play a top four minutes? Who? So if one of our top fours goes on, who's going to play? Who's going to play for that in that in that position? Nobody oh, right now. Gilbert, exactly. Nobody right. Nobody right now. They traded a guy who requested a trade. It and hurt. It, it's hurt their defensive depth. Uh, yeah, of course. And they're just saying distraction. What do you mean? They were seven and three. <laughs> They've been seven and three the last ten games. So I and 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 as as Tony, who's in the Flames locker room and gets these reports, he'd know. No, no, I'm not getting these reports. I'm just going by facts. They're playing good. They're playing good hockey. Doesn't mean it doesn't mean that this didn't doesn't mean that this didn't need to be rectified. Yeah, well, you know what. It's just Tony. It's just so like I, I I saw your name on the screen and I cringed. I'm like, oh my god, it's going to be the same thing as every trade they ever make. He's going to start throwing at me what they should have gotten because he he set his own price. It's like Tony doesn't set the price of the mar- Tony is not the market in the NHL. The other GMs are the market in the NHL. Look at the other third pair defensemen who have gone this season. Flames got it was the same with the Toffoli trade. Flames got fleeced on the Toffoli trade. What I don't I don't understand. Why that's the case? Toffoli's on pace for forty goals. Great, time. he's expiring at the end of the year and still isn't signed in New Jersey. You, you know what, Pat? That's just the way I feel. I uh, with Zadorov, he could have played top four. I agree with George. I, I really, it, it, it was good to have that. Uh, you know, 
it was, but you're also you're also on Team Tank, so you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. Yeah, but but, but, but if but we know Calgary's not going to rebuild, so uh, so who are we fooling? They're not going to rebuild Calgary. Okay, so here's here's my problem. Here's 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 my issue, Tony. This is why it gives me a headache when you call, and these are always your takes. So, guy requested a trade. Are they supposed yeah. to just ignore that trade request? No, yeah, until you get the, the proper offer, yeah. Until you okay, get the offer. it was a it was a distraction in the locker room, and then they got an offer that is a market value for a third pairing defenseman. A third pairing defenseman that can play top four. That's a big difference. I don't know. I I I I, I think he's a, in my eyes. I think he's a he's a four five who's fun. He's big. He skates. I I I maybe maybe where we're differing tone is that you rate him higher than I do, and that's fine. We that um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're wrong. Maybe you're right. Maybe I'm right. I, I think you rate him higher than I do. I'm a big Zadorov fan. I think he is a guy that has. Over the his time in Calgary, has certainly improved a lot. Where he was clearly a third pair guy on this team, and now he's a guy that yeah, he he's a nice guy to have and can bump up and play in a second pair. But I still think he's best slotted on a deeper team where he can be a, a really impactful third pair guy. That's that's my opinion. Yeah, well, you know, what? and that's that's okay. Um, we can we can agree to disagree on that. Yeah, like. So say that something happens. I'm not even if they have to try to get a, 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 a number five D that can play for uh, top four minutes. They're going to lose all that money they saved the three point five. Even if they have to make a trade, they're, they're going to have to spend but that money. Who anyway. says? Who says they're going to? <laughs> well, uh, if someone gets injured, they're going to have to. I don't know. I mean, I I don't well, think know, that that's I don't think that's I don't think that's a true statement. I really don't. I don't think that they're. I think that they are looking at this and they're saying we traded away a guy that asked to be traded. They are very much in a spot where they're looking to the future while also trying to remain competitive now. So I don't think they are going to go try to scramble and and go and get a high price guy to bring back in as a return. I think they're fine opening the door for a Solovyov or somebody else and letting him come in and play, and, and I, I really do. Yeah. I don't know, Pat. I, I just, uh, yeah, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But, I mean, maybe maybe they will get uh, more draft picks by retaining this, uh, by, by having all this cap space. You never know. But uh, as of now, Vancouver won this trade by a by a mile. That's just the way I feel. But uh, we'll enough. see what happens in the future. I don't know. Conroy, I hope, hope this guy improves trading, man. we still got three UFAs. I don't know what's going to happen here. See, but you again, know, so. like I just don't know how like, – What what is wrong with the Toffoli trade? The Toffoli trade is – Saren Gold, he, he looks invisible half the time. He's been one of – he's been their, like one of their best players in November. What has he got, five goals? And he's playing the top line minutes. The the team lead is six goals. This is not a high scoring team. Yeah, well, you know, uh, a team that can't score. I mean, they're playing good as a team. Now I have to admit, they're playing very good. Whoa, whoa, hold back it up. What did you just say? They're playing good as a te- they're playing good as a team with Zadorov on uh... here too. <laughs> so... They were, but Zadorov wanted to get traded. 
So I said, you're still playing good. Hold off. So he said, all right, we're going to hold, hold off. And, uh, you know what I mean? Look, I, I do. International I, 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 I think it was important to do that in an expedited fashion. I, I know that. Okay. So I, I, I really believe Noah Hannafin and Lindholm, if you're going to get rid of them, then this is the time to do it, not not at the tra- not at the deadline. First of all, they should have been done last summer, but it never happened. But I, I think you're going to get, as it gets getting closer to the trade, then I think we're going to get less for these guys, especially Hannafin and Lindholm. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think that that is true. I, I think that you are in a pretty good spot to trade those guys at any point. Um, I think the guys that you could have gotten more from, I think, are Tanev. I think Tanev, in my opinion, Tanev's value is probably highest at the deadline. And I do think that Zadorov, you might have been able to get more from him at the de- at the deadline if you waited. But again, I, I think it was important not to wait on this one. Okay, I guess so. But, but all I'm saying, last thing here is, if if one of their top four get injured, yeah, hundred percent. But that, no question, they know that. That is absolutely true. That that they they have lost a really nice luxury in Zadorov because he was that guy who could very easily step into the top four. That is bang on. There's no doubt about that. And his toughness, too. I know you say he doesn't fight. I know, but he's still... He's, he's, a, tough, he's, yeah, a, he's a very tough, tough player. player. He's a he's He a, is a physical force out there. I agree with you. Tony, we got to move on. Okay, bud. Time to take my call. Talk to you Good later. to hear from you, buddy. Bye-bye. You didn't... Yeah, and I, hey, Tone, I didn't actually yeah. cringe. I, I wasn't actually cringing. I was just giving you a hard time. I always oh, like no when problem. you call. No problem. Um, I was cringing a bit. <laughs> Good yeah. to hear from you, buddy. Bye. Uh, it's all Tony. For all the people, Pat, uh, you're so rude to Tony. It's a, it's a shtick. Settle down. He knows it. I know it. It's all part of the fun. Let's get back to the phone lines and say hello to Logan. What's going on, Logan? Hey, Pat. How are you doing tonight? Good, man. How are you? Oh, pretty good. I actually thought tonight was honestly the playing best game they played all season even though we won an OT it was it was a fantastic game to watch yeah it was a really solid game I, I I'm completely with you um I, I thought we were winning battles that Zari Kadri Pospisil line was on fire yet again and yeah, they uh, played well I, I hear everyone saying like that was a terrible trade and, no I might not agree with it but I think you know you get cap space you can bring Carnado up. I I I don't see a big problem with it. He wanted. To, I I almost think there's a little bit more going on. Maybe it was a room issue because I do think that Zadorov was sort of speaking his mind in the room, and I think that was an issue. I I do um I do I do think it was a it was a scenario where I think they needed to do it in an expedited fashion. I do. I think they needed I, to. Yeah. For sure. it, it, it's not. It's not like. It's not like Zadorov was getting in fist fights with the with, with his teammates or anything like that. But it was a distraction. I think Zadorov had gotten a little uncomfortable with the dynamic because that can sometimes happen when a trade request goes public like that. And so when you've got an uncomfortable guy, I think that can lead to maybe a, a, um, a less cohesive room. And and I think you know just couple people that I've spoken to I, I think that this needed to be done and and needed to be done in a more expedited fashion and so it's done 
No, exactly, Pat. And I think one other thing I really noticed is ever since Huberto got benched, I think he's really been actually playing really well. I agree. I think he's been a. I think he's been, he's been fantastic for us. To be honest, I, I he's making an impact on offense. I think his defensive game is pretty solid. Um, and I, I think he's actually been very impactful. And I think if we can see this from Huberto for the rest of the year, like, yeah, the ten point five million might not look good, but like, if he can do this for the rest of the year, like, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I mean, he's been fairly consistent here for the last little bit. Well, exactly, and I, I think. Him being on the Coleman backland line, like I actually think he's actually looked really, really good. I think yeah, he's and, and, and and I don't I don't know how many people thought that that was going to be the trade or the, the the line rather that that got Huberdeau's game to a higher level. Like he's still not quite the kind of dynamic offensive electric player that I think a lot of people were maybe expecting, but. Boy, his game has taken some massive strides from where it was in October. Well, exactly, Pat. And I think, like, one thing I really noticed is that his he, he's moving his feet. He, he really is. He's moving his feet. He He's up on the forward check, and I, I feel like he's actually done really well for himself. Like, in this past, like, past, like, six, seven games, he's looked really good, I find. Yep. And, uh... One other thing, like with the Zadorov trade, I like I I understand why people are upset. I think we could have gotten a bit more, but the whole thing is around the league, no one has any cap, and it, it's a tough trade to make because when you when you have a team that's retaining, like we're not retaining any cap for this trade. I think it's actually not as bad as people think, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think it's actually good because no, now we can bring up. Coronado and see what he can do in the NHL. He's been having a fantastic run in the age. Well, I don't know. I don't know if Coronado is going to be the guy that gets brought up. Well, it could be Klapka too, hey. I well, Zadorov's a defenseman. I think they're going to bring up a D-man. That's true. Yeah, I think Slovyov would be a great pick for that. He, he's had a good run in the AHL too. Yeah, and I, I think I think Solovyov is the guy that makes the most sense to to get a recall. We'll see if that's yeah, the way they go. Sure. I, I I think that's probably the way they'll go. Yeah, of course, Pat. But no, that's all for me. I thought I thought the Flames are fantastic tonight. One of the best games I've actually watched from them in a while. I thought they played fantastic. But I hope you have a good night, Pat. Okay, man. You have yourself a great night as well, Logan. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Have a good one, Pat. Okay, phone lines are open at 403-240-4444. Text line is open at 960-960. As the Flames take a 4-3 overtime win over the Dallas Stars. Number one star tonight, Noah Hannafin. Let's hear from Noah inside the Flames locker room. He scored a uh, nice goal in the second and the first period, rather, to give the Flames a 2-1 lead. Almost had an assist on a game-tying goal, but then that game-tying goal was waved off. Nonetheless, here's Noah Hannafin post-game inside the Flames room. Some irony that uh, on a night when uh, you trade a defenseman, that the defensemen all jump up and score the way it is. How do you just see the blue line contributions? 
Yeah, it's, it's been great to see. You know, it's something, you know, we, we know as a decor we have to do to help the team win, and that's part of our identity. You know, we got a real good decor, and a lot of guys back there that can skate and get up in the play and, and uh, create some offense, and it's starting to come our way now, which is uh, which has been great to see. How did that affect this group um, when you learn of a trade on your way into the rink or at the rink, however it was? How did that, you know, when you learn of a trade that close to game time, what's that ripple like through the rink? Yeah, you know, it's it's unique sometimes, you know, obviously playing with a guy for a couple of years and all of a sudden, you know, you, uh, you know he's traded, it's, you know, it's, it's a little strange sometimes, but, you know, it's a business and, you know, we're all, we're all professionals and, you know, we got a job to do and get ready for the game and, and that's where our focus is at. Well, Noah, what can you say about Zadorov as a teammate for the past couple of years and what, what he brought to this organization on and off the field? Yeah, I mean, he was, uh, you know, it was uh, great playing with him for a couple of years and, you know, he's a, he's a great guy and, you know, I wish him nothing but the best moving forward and, you know, uh, yeah, it'll be uh, pretty funny uh, playing against him on Saturday, but um, <laughs> but no, it's uh, I wish him the best. How do you describe the resiliency of uh, the way your group's playing of late? Yeah, it's been great to see. You know, it's uh, there's been a, obviously a, a big turn here lately, and uh, you know the team's bonding. We're coming together. We're playing really good hockey right now. We're not quitting, and we're playing against really good teams while we're doing it. So. It's great to see, and uh, you know, just to like, keep this rolling into into December here. And when you see Chris Tanev throw himself in front of another shot, what goes through your mind? Yeah, I, I, it was too similar to last game. The way he dove in front of one of those, I was like, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta protect your face there a bit. But no, he's just. <laughs> He's uh, one of the best teammates, if not the best teammate I've ever played with in my in my career, and um, just an absolute warrior. I know everybody says it, but you know it doesn't go unnoticed. And just his courage, the way he plays the game. You know, he's such an honest player and unbelievable teammate. What this was the D-man are scoring. Like, is there internal competition? Like, do you want more of them? Than we? Uh, no, we're all supporting each other. We're all pretty fired up for each other when that happens. And. Yeah, we're, we're a decor, we're a unit out there, so it's nice to give the forward some grief uh, at uh, practice. <laughs> this was supposed to be a tough stretch for you guys, getting games against Dallas and Vegas, and over this last little while, you mentioned you guys are coming together and playing well. How much stock does this team put in their recent results in relation to their season? It's, yeah, it's a confidence boost for sure. You know, we knew, uh, you know, we knew where we were at, you know, with the situation of... Uh, you know, losing those games and we, we started to claw back and, and uh, you know, we knew we had a, a big stretch of playing really good good teams, good competition and um, we need to elevate our game and, and, and rise to the occasion. I think we've done a great job of that and you know it starts from, uh, from the leadership, just getting us ready and prepared for each game and um, you know it's been great and it's something we just have to keep building on. No, uh, does it feel good just to be back to 500? Yeah, it does for sure. You know, we had a few few opportunities to get there and we just came up a little bit short and it's nice to be back here, and, and uh, you know it's still uh, still early, and we have a lot of room to go here, and we're heading in the right direction. When you know, this, this team's been on a good run, but you trade a regular, obviously, today, and don't have anyone coming back to plug right in. What gives you optimism that this group kind of cover over that hole on your blue line? Yeah, it's just you know sometimes things happen. You know whether it's before a game or during a game, if a guy gets injured, you know guys just have to step up and play and and uh, you know support each other. And uh, I thought we did a good job that time. Obviously, Ozzy came in and stepped in on pretty late notice and he had a great game for us and uh, you know that's what we need. When you get that goal wiped out with five minutes left, how do you avoid that deflating your group because you still have a chance, you, obviously you still have time left to tie it. Yeah, I think it's definitely frustrating, especially when it's that you know close end of the game and you get a you know a little bounce back like that. But um, you know, I think uh, you know we were playing good hockey at that time of the game, and we just had to keep it going, stay with it. And uh, you know, fortunately, we uh, got a good puck on net there and went in for us. So I thought that was good karma. There you go. That is Noah Hannafin post game. He had a goal. One of three defensemen to score a goal in this game tonight for the Flames as uh, they went 4-3 in overtime over the Dallas Stars. The only goal that wasn't scored by a D-man was the overtime winner off the stick of Nazem Kadri. Uh, 
uh, you know what? And a D-man is going to be our player with heart as well. He did not get on the scoreboard tonight. Our player with heart brought to you by HeartFit Clinic. I'm going Rasmus Anderson tonight. I really liked Rasmus's game as well. Uh, I thought Anderson had a really solid night, had seven shot attempts, got two of those on net, uh, two scoring chances. I thought Anderson in his uh, 23 minutes and 40 seconds was also really, really strong. Uh, Megan Mickelson earlier in the postgame show named Noah Hannafin as the hardest-working flame. I'll go Rasmus Anderson as the player with heart brought to you by heart fit clinic for heart fit assessments and proven treatments not available at your doctor's office visit heartfit.ca let's go back inside the flames locker room for a final time after blocking a shot with his face on monday against vegas it was actually his chin uh chris tanev did not do that tonight but he did score a goal uh let's hear from chris tanev who did block a shot again this time with his shoulder in a very similar way uh here's chris tanev post game following tonight's overtime win over dallas how's it feel to get a win against the dallas stars after such a weird day with the Zadorov trade and ending with that ot win yeah um, it's it's a huge win for us to get back to 500 and um as you said it could have been easily a, a huge distraction i mean everyone's sort of coming that's when guys are coming to the rink and and it happens and um, but we did a really good job of sort of putting that aside and, and focusing on playing. How did you process it? Oh, I mean, I, I talked to Zias. I wished him good luck and, and all the best. And, and we got to, I was sort of at the rink already, and then it's, it's time to prepare for the game. Have you, like, like you've been around guys that have been dealt before, but what's sort of the emotional element of seeing him, not brother, but like a teammate go? How do you, do you get used to that as an NHL player? No, I mean, it's always, it's always tough when you play with someone for, uh, almost three years right so um you get to know them you get to know their family and wife kids so um as i said it could have been easily a, a distraction for us but we were able to focus on on what we need to do tonight can you explain why the comebacks seem to snowball like when you get one why it suddenly seems easier to get more uh i don't know i i, I just think we're sticking to the process of of how we want to play i mean I thought we were a bit unfortunate to, to be down tonight so late in the game. Um, but as I said, when you stick to the process, you, usually if you do the same thing over and over and over again and, and you're making the right decisions, um, good things will happen. There you go. Chris Tanev, one of the three D-men to score a goal tonight. His uh, thoughts post-game. Hey, lots of post-game coverage for you tonight. We've heard from Chris Tanev, Noah Hannafin, and uh, also Nazem Kadri. Mackenzie Weger joined us live. And uh, on top of that, uh, Kale McLean joined us live. And we heard from head coach Ryan Huska. Your comprehensive Flames Talk post-game show continues right now. My name is Pat Steinberg. It's time to look ahead. Looking ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech. Fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system to learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer visit oncolyticsbiotech.com next up for calgary saturday night when they'll take on the vancouver canucks that is an eight o'clock face-off here at the dome on sportsnet and cbc flames are already one for one against their division rivals this year they beat them 5-2 earlier this season uh going back to november 16th oh and then there's that other part of the uh, game on saturday nikita zadorov makes his vancouver canucks debut 
here at the Dome against his old team. His first game will be against the Flames, so we'll see what Zadorov's got as uh, the Canucks play the Flames on Saturday. Flames are 1-0, as I said, against the Canucks this year. Uh, dating back to the start of the uh, 21-22 season, um, the first year that we got back to normal in the NHL, Flames are 5-0-2 against Vancouver in their last seven games, so they've had a lot of success against the Canucks in recent years. Um, and sorry, they are, uh, no, that's not quite true. They are 5 uh, five, one, and two in their last eight games against the Canucks, dating back to then. Uh, there you go. That is our looking ahead future. Looking ahead, brought to you by Oncolytics Biotech, fighting cancer by unleashing the power of the immune system. To learn more about how they use a patient's immune system to battle cancer, visit Oncolytics Biotech. Dot com. Back to the text line we go at 960-960. This reads, Pat, I agree with you. I figured they'd get a second-round pick, but the big cat was a third-line D-man UFA that was already overpaid, in my opinion. Would I want more? Yes, but I'm happy trading him for futures. I'm just hoping they move forward and move the other UFAs. Uh, this from Dylan. Uh, Pat, I can't fathom how people think Zadorov was worth much more than they got. He's a complete adventure 90% of the time. For each eye-popping hit and, um, and goal, there's a three boneheaded gaffes, giveaways, or a lost check. I couldn't be happier. Huberto also had four world-class passes tonight. He should have had four assists, but that called-back goal happened, and they took one away from him on that Hannafin goal, even though he literally dished it right to him, no question. Very encouraging stuff. That comes from Dylan. Um, this says, from Joe in BC, a uh, longtime Flames fan, thought the trade was not great at first, but when I saw that Canucks retain all the salary and he's UFA in June, well, not so bad. My only worry is the Canucks would go ahead and trade him at the deadline for more than the Flames got, uh, which would be a hefty price to pay for someone who needed to move now. Would love to see Nylander in a Flames uniform. He'd be the star player they need to play with Huberto. I... I just don't get the sense that Vancouver is going to be moving off of Zadorov unless they fall completely out of this thing, in which case his trade value probably goes down. They brought Zadorov in to help them because they are looking to make the playoffs and they, they feel like they can do something once they get there. So I don't see the Canucks flipping Zadorov because they brought him in to be part of their group right now. Uh, this is from Kyle, who says, good trade. They need cap space to retain Lindholm and Tanev. They need to be able to bring up some youth, which is why Lindholm needs to be kept. Zadorov, average of four turnovers a game. He's frequently beat on the blue line. Is currently minus six and was minus six last year, meaning he's on pace for one of the worst seasons. I'm talking about him as a player, not a person. I know he's a good person that was well-liked. He asked to be traded. Other teams didn't have anything in return, so now Conroy can sit back with some room to breathe in capital and can bring up some youth. This uh, says, from a first-time texter, appreciate the show and all you guys do. I'll get to the return, but texting to say, I think it's unfair for everyone in the media to pin the label of distraction on Zadorov and his character so much. Kadri's post-game and everything I've seen heard tells me that Zadorov's a great guy who connects with the guys in the room and does the right things. He said he wanted to be here, and they gave him the cold shoulder. As a 28-year-old guy that, from my understanding, just went through a very difficult thing with his family and is in his last opportunity 
opportunity to make as much money as he can for him and his family's future, I can see his position. If they weren't engaging in talks, he was in a tough position here, and his agent and Conroy were both doing their job. This wasn't anybody's fault. It was just a situation with lines drawn in the sand. Absolutely hate to see him go, though. Big guys who can skate like that and make checks like he does are rare in this league, and I love that he was ours. That being said, the people dumping on this return and calling it a horrible trade are just being completely ignorant. This was a foregone conclusion. It was uncomfortable for Zadorov and others, and I think it got addressed in a timely fashion to the betterment of everyone involved. Clearing up space is huge and exciting for a ton of reasons. If Conroy and Huska trust the farm, then this is a big win for them and a great move. Wish them the best in Vancouver and good business all around. This is probably way too long for you to read, but I appreciate it anyway. No, not way too long at all. And also... When I say I don't, I I I don't believe that Zadorov himself was a distraction. I think Zadorov and the trade request was a distraction, and I do think that the comments that he made earlier, where you know he kind of talked about, I, I know that I do believe him when I when he said that he wasn't trying to say that there's too many guys playing like individuals and that it maybe got a little misconstrued. I I I'll believe him on that. I do because I do think he's a pretty genuine guy. But I know those comments when he talked about those and talked about how Daryl Sutter's gone, so excuses are gone, and it got so much run nationally. I I know that there was a little bit of a sentiment inside the room where they're like, could you could you have not done that? You know, maybe if you could have just kept that stuff in the room because there's enough distractions swirling around. Because at that time, there were suspensions. Uh, the team was not playing very well. And so there's kind of like, could you keep that in the room? And maybe, like, we don't, need, we don't need self-inflicted distractions and more self-inflicted noise. And then a few weeks later, his agent comes out and publicly asks for a trade, which just adds more noise. So I don't think, like, Zadorov, the guy, was a distraction. He was well-liked in that room. But... It's what kind of it's it's some of those things, and especially a trade request that goes public, when at the time they probably could least they they really didn't want something like that going public. I think that's maybe more what we're talking about, at least what I'm talking about when I use the term distraction. Uh, this from Greg in Varsity. To Flames fans who are upset with the return, the pot of gold from this trade will come from the flexibility it gives Conroy going forward with the other trade chips that are worth more. Big Z was the fifth most valuable trade chip behind uh, Lindholm, Hannafin, um, Tanev, and... Vladar, also Zadarov, started freelancing several games before the orchestrated trade request. That comes from Greg in Varsity. This reads, I understand why fans are upset. I think the media did a good job in hyping up Zadorov's value, but at the end of the day, he's a bottom six guy who can time to time play top four minutes. They got two picks, over $3.5 million in cap space, and a roster spot for another young player. Also, he asked for a trade. Also, you might as well trade him now, especially after the other night when Tanev took a puck to the face don't want your players you're trying to trade get hurt that will get you jack crap uh this says at 960 960 um this comes from i'm not sure who it's from because there's no name but it says this trade's completely fine a third and a fifth for a pending ufa that requested a trade if you go look at the last 20 d Deals of pending UFAs with no salary retention, it falls right in line with that. The Flames now can accrue cap space throughout the year and put themselves into a position to do a lot of different things. Make a hockey deal, take on a problem deal in another trade, and they leave the three retention slots the three most valuable assets likely to be traded. Flames fans need to relax a little, but here... Um, 
need to relax a little here and let Conroy do his job. He's done everything he's promised to the fans so far before the season. Relax, go Flames, go. Let Conroy cook. Uh, This reads... These people calling in upset about what they got for the trade aren't reasonable. Dude was a third-pairing D-man. I liked him, but his value wasn't even going to be crazy. He didn't want to be here. Make room for those who do. Um, this from Anand. Great win tonight by the boys. Another OT victory. I'm pumped and excited. The Zadorov trade's a shock, definitely, but we'll see what they get down the road. I'm not going to be picky yet or say it was a wrong choice. As a newer Flames fan, this is my first full season, so let's wait a bit. Uh, I tried calling after my shift, but my but the phone lines are busy. Yeah, we are jammed today on the phone lines. Um, this from Ethan and High River. Pat, I think they didn't get as much as most people wanted for him, and I understand the side of not giving him away to a division rival because if you're on the wrong end of that trade in five years, it's a constant reminder that your rival got the best of you. Um... This says, people going crazy on Zadorov. I'm glad for the trade. Last year I complained of his lack of skating and not using his body all the time. I say giving the locker room a better culture is a good idea, especially since he wanted the trade. They aren't retaining any salary, and for the picks, that's all that's available. I can't wait to see the change in the team's mindset. That's from Denise. Uh, This from Dave. I like Z, but at the same time, if this is a trade that's made in August, no one bats an eye or really even thinks twice. The return's the return. It helps set them up in the future and hopefully gives one of the young guys on the Wranglers an opportunity. Although a Shillington return Undertaker style at this point would be pretty awesome. Great win tonight. Totally outplayed the Stars. Overcame some bad refereeing and another exciting home win. Fun night and hopefully another coming Saturday. Uh, This from Jose. Pat, I wish I could call, but I'm going to go the text route. People who have a problem with this trade need to wake up and acknowledge the facts. Cap space is a luxury that a team like Detroit could benefit from signing a guy like Kane. Also, bringing up Coronado is almost impossible because of their cap total. And Pelche is coming back soon. Unfortunately, we as Flames fans put too much value on the guys we watch day in, day out. They weren't dealing from a position of strength because other teams knew we wanted out. But on another note, maybe Huberdeau hasn't seemed like the fairest return on the Kachuk deal, but how about Uyghur's performance? Yeah, Uyghur's been great. No doubt about that. Uh, Really good of late. Um... This from Fred and Cranston to the caller who thinks Conroy's too soft. Patience a virtue is a virtue. Conroy's playing his cards well. Pat, were you surprised that Markstrom started in net tonight after an exceptional outing from Vladar against Vegas? No, I was not because Markstrom was spart- supposed to start against Vegas and uh, he started against, he was healthy to start against Dallas. He's their number one. They're going to play him when he's ready and then they're going to rest him when it's time to rest him. So no, I, I was not surprised they went with Markstrom tonight. Um, This from Glenn, just a point about the trade. Calgary also gained some cap space, which some callers and listeners seem to be missing. Um, And there you go. Um, That is on the text line at 960-960 as we continue along. I I know that uh, there's – I don't believe that um, we're going to be talking about uh, a forward recalled anytime soon. I know there's a lot of talk about Coronado. I mean – I, I don't get that sense. I know that on uh, with, with Ryan Leslie on Sportsnet Television, he mentioned Coronado, but I do believe that they're going to look defensemen. Um, even Conroy with me, if you go listen on Flames Talk, he said this opens up a spot so that a young guy that they want to give a chance can come. I think Solovyov is, is that guy, but I'm not sure. Um, but he would be the young defenseman. My guess is Solovyov would be the guy that comes up. 
but we'll see. Um, and we'll see if it happens before the game on Saturday um, when the Flames take on the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, right now they open up another roster spot, so maybe they, they could do both. But I, I do think I do anticipate them recalling a defenseman from the American League. Uh, I do. Um, okay. Great stuff on the text line. Let's get back to the phone lines. We lost George mid-call, so we'll go back to George right now uh, as the Flames take a 4-3 win over the Dallas Stars. George is back with us to tell us um, how angry he is some more. Hello, George. What I'm angry about is what's going on with my phone this year, Patty. <laughs> yeah, we do need to figure that out. That guys. needs to get figured I out. I do. It's got to be this dang Verizon. Hey, you said it earlier today. It's got to be this Verizon I'm on. Maybe I need to switch companies. I don't know what the <laughs> hell is going on. Okay. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make two points and get off because, like I said, I'm going to make this half a call. <laughs> so look, this is a serious question. I promise I'm not trolling with this. What, what's, stopping from, what's stopping the other UFAs now from going to their agents and telling them to tweet out trade requests so they can get traded ASAP so they aren't a distraction and then Connor is forced to trade them for less. Well, because because those because those guys don't necessarily want to be traded. Do we know that for a fact? Oh, we don't know that for a fact. Well, at no point did Elias Lindholm, Noah Hannafin, or Chris Tanev in the offseason request a trade. They everything that I'm led to believe, like Nikita Zadorov and his agent requested a trade. I, I don't. Why would Noah Hannafin request a trade? Like, Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm, Chris Tanev's a different story. Chris Tanev has never been part of the the whole idea of, like, is he going to come back or not going to come back? He's just a pending UFA. But there was all that question about Hannafin and Lindholm in the, in the offseason. But both guys were very adamant they want to stay and are open to staying, and I still think that's part of the conversation. So unless they unless they become disillusioned with where they are, then maybe a trade request becomes part of it, but that's not where they are right now. The other thing is is that neither of those guys' agents go about their business that way and never have. And the it was not a good situation. Did you see how Zadorov's play dropped after the trade request? And it was a very uncomfortable yep. situation mm-hmm. for him. I don't think these guys' agents would want to do that to their clients. Dan Milstein likes to go about it that way. Um, but in, in this case, I, I don't – like. I don't think it necessarily always does the best for your client to do that, is all I'm saying. And, and the, I will, on, on everything we've disagreed on tonight, I will agree with you with that because I do agree. His plate did fall off since the trade request. I actually brought that up, I think, the last call. You're not wrong there. You're not wrong there. The only thing I will say is I absolutely love Craig Conroy as a person and when he was a player. But, you know, let let time pass and let's see. But t- tonight definitely made me question his acumen as a general manager when it comes to trades. So we'll see. I hope I'm wrong. And but why, George? Why? Why? Like, that's what I, I don't. Patty, I'm sorry. I feel like he should have got more, and I feel like he could have waited. I really do. I didn't think. I didn't think it, it had to have been that urgent. I'm hearing all these players say nothing but good things about Zadorov tonight with his departure. Well, do you think they're going to come out and sewer him? No, but then not don't say anything at all. Well, but they were say, asked hey, about it. They gone? were asked about it. They're going to say, but it's not like he was disliked in the room, George. It's just that it was a big time distraction, and and that ruffled some feathers. They didn't like the way that it went down, and so I think it was an uncomfortable situation for Nikita. And when you've got a guy who's a little uncomfortable, it it throws off the cohesion of the room. I get it, but they were didn't show on the ice. They they're playing the best hockey they played all year, so I don't know. I'm I'm confused by the whole thing. Anyway, 
I get it. Let's see. They're in an interesting spot now because, unfortunately, that, that start really messed their season up. Like, they didn't get off to that start. We'd be having different conversations. But now we'll see. This is going to be interesting. And that game in Vancouver is going to be interesting too. So it's gonna, that's going to be a fun night to talk call in as well. So we'll see, Patty. Thanks for, for taking me on for the second half. I'm sorry about the phone. I don't know what's going on over here. But we'll try to get that figured out, my friend. Have a good night. Thanks, Georgie. Uh, let's say hello. We'll take three more calls on this uh, Thursday night. Saying hello to Don next. What's up, Don? Oh, not too much. Calling him back. Uh, greetings from uh, uh, Deep Chiefs and Johnny Mac days. Anyways, um, you know, I was happy to see uh, one of our big trades come through today, Kadri. Like, wow, I just was watching him lose all the face-offs in the last game, not really contributing much to the big win. And so, you know, it was a, I was in Florida watching with an old friend, and he uh, became a Detroit fan but always came back because uh, his folks had tickets for the New Year's uh, Eve game, which was always wonderful. And we kind of talked about the game, and we thought that uh, all of a sudden, uh, you know, we're going to sit there and watch Dallas show you the difference between a team that's in the playoffs and a team that's not going to be in the playoffs. And the Flames came through, came through tonight. Um, what about I was I did the whole radio, and the radio was great. And uh, what's where, what's Megan's background as far as playing? She talked about playing defense. Where's her background in hockey? Um. You know, just went to the Olympics four times. Okay, all right. And again, that's because women's sport doesn't get enough recognition. She, uh, she, like, she was, she was part of the national team for like fifteen years. Um, good for her. Good she, for yeah, her. she won yeah. multiple Olympic gold medals, multiple World Championship gold medals. Her, uh, her credentials are very, very golden. Awesome. Well, she's doing a good job, and it's good. You guys got a good mix there. And, uh, you know, the radio broadcast was good. Um, so what were these uh, calls? Like, were the fans uh, sophisticated enough uh, in our dome tonight to, to see these things? Or was it something that uh, they're crying out for a call because they want to get the game tied up? Um, and, you what know, you as far as the ones that they said they missed. Oh, there is, there is a four or five minute stretch there um, where they, they missed two or three ones that looked pretty obvious. I think that, that, that's mostly it. Okay. And then uh, what's the Christmas schedule look? Because I put the big ask, and I'm hoping I can get in down there to see the game. Always entertaining and always enjoyable. Uh, do we have many at home coming in the next uh, Christmas uh, season here in December? Uh, well, they're on the road right before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I don't off the top of my head remember now what they do coming back. I'm just you know, Yeah, you don't have your schedule out. That's okay. You know, no, I, I'm I just pulling it up for you right now. Uh, right. So, yeah, they play two on the road in California, then they're back home on the 27th. They play the 27th against Seattle. Okay. All right. So just after, but during the holiday season. Well, you know, uh, no problem, Patty. Uh, you've matured. I've listened to your broadcast during the day, and uh, you're doing a good job. And, uh, yeah, you mix it with your friends, and that's all good, too. So uh, keep up the good work and uh, look forward to chatting more. All right, Don. You have yourself a great night. You too. Bye. Let's say hello to Parsons. What's up, Pars? Hey, brother. How are you tonight? Okay. How are you? I'm doing good, um, especially after that win. Uh, Dallas is a really good team, uh, same with Vegas, and getting a couple of OT shakers at the end there was kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, 
So uh, that was really good. I was really excited to see that. I thought uh, Zari had a really good game tonight. What about you? Yeah, yeah, I thought he was really, really noticeable out there. Um, he was looked like, out there. yeah, I, I thought like he kind of looked like that guy that um, was was doing that before he kind of dropped off. And I, I partially think that that quote unquote drop off was due to the fact that he was playing hurt too. Yeah, that's what I heard as well. So, and um, I like not not like seriously hurt, but he was there. There was a lingering lower body injury there that we that that probably was affecting him. Could still be affecting him, but was was definitely affecting him there for two or three games. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I hope he's getting better. And uh, kind of again tonight. Oh my God! Um, throwing his body out there like that. I, I'm glad he did not get that in the back of the neck or whatever tonight. <laughs> like the guy's a beast. Um, wow. Uh, just no words for that guy. Um, yeah, other than the game, uh, good to get the W. Um, I guess go to the obvious, which is Mm -hmm. the the Zadorov thing. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, my opinion is that, uh, this whole, you know, with Dan Milstein, I, I think, you know, with that tweet, this was the beginning of the end obviously and um for sure if i was zadorov like i I think this hurt zadorov a lot more than like i understand he wanted to back his agent and this and that and the other but um i think you know in retrospect when he looks back on all this i think he's going to realize that this that that stunt hurt him more than anything and um you know i remember you and i had a conversation a little while back you know where i said um you know, I I don't like stunts like that, and players like situations like this they should be sat. And I understood your point too, where you said, "Well, you can't really do that because how long are they going to sit? You know, are they going to sit till the trade deadline, or you know mm-hmm. what I mean?" So I I totally got that. Um, in this situation, I think it was only like what six six games or so since that trade request. And... Uh, so that trade request came out after the Toronto game. So it has been since then, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. This is the 10th game. So we played 10 games oh, wow. after okay. the trade okay. request. 10, 10 games, wow. Yeah, because he, he did not perform well. And I, I don't think it was advantageous for the team or for Zadorov to be playing um, or his agent. I mean, if he's looking to shop him. Um, so I'll kind of stick to that thing, Pat. Like, I think it, if something public comes out like that ever again, I think a player like that should be sat. I mean, everyone's going to know who Zadorov is. If he's sitting, then, well, so be it. Um, just- the only problem is is that what if so, – so what happens then? So, so what if they do mm-hmm. that, Parse, and then they, quote-unquote, let him rot until the trade deadline – well, then who's going to want to take a guy who, say it happens in November again, and the trade deadline's in early March, so that's November, December, just, so that's that's four months. Who's going to be like, yeah, yeah, let's bring in this player for a playoff run who hasn't played a game in four months. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that, that is, that's part of why I think it's it's important not to just sit guys out of spite type of thing, you know? Well... I understand what you're saying. I guess my counterpoint would be this is a, I don't think a player of that caliber would sit that long. And B, I think that 
playing him was very counterproductive for all all parties involved. Um, like, and, I don't think I don't think Zadorov tanked his trade value. I don't. Yeah, but he he played noticeable noticeably black, very 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 bad. Like. Um, I don't know, man. I also like, this is a point that Wes Gilbert said, so I'm going to steal it right from mm-hmm. Wes. Um, but do you also think that there was more of a spotlight on him? Like, do you think there's a little yeah. bit more opportunity of confirmation bias too? I'm not saying I'm not saying that his play didn't dip because I I noticed it too. But I also wonder how much confirmation bias is in there. Now you're all of a sudden looking at Zadorov, and now there's this mm-hmm. trade request that's part of it. So maybe some of the things that you wouldn't have been as glaring before then become glaring and kind of cloud the, the overall way you're looking at it. I don't I don't know the answer, but I think it's a fair kind of. A rebuttal on the question it, yeah i mean that's fair um absolutely but what also is fair is his just you know his all-around game and statistics right like he played 21 games one goal five assists six points minus six you know he had like 29 shots on goal i did a little bit of deep dive before i called i wanted to be a little bit prepared so I mean, so he's just over a shot per game. He had 19 blocks in 21 games, so definitely not ten of status. Um, as far as hits, uh, 41 hits in 21 games. Um, as far as takeaways, giveaways, he was almost two to one um, in terms of giveaways. And his career, he is on par for two to one giveaways. Um so, I mean, all in all, his stats aren't he, – he's definitely a third-pairing guy, and on most good teams, he would be a third-pairing guy. I think to get a third and a fifth for him and, – and, and don't get me wrong, I love Big Z. I love when he cranks out a big hit, but the stats show that they aren't as numerous as we quite think, and his career average on – ice time is almost on par with his career and i don't know pat like all of his <laughs> get this all of his goals as a flame were all even strength at 19 so no power play nothing um i love the guy but the stats indicate that us getting a third and a fifth is good with salary retained it is an absolute bonus I, yeah. I couldn't be happier with the trade, to be honest with you. All right. So, yeah, that's all I got, and I'm just happy for another W tonight, man. So, I hope you have a good rest of your night, sir. Okay, Pars. Good to hear from you, man. Thanks, man. And uh, our last call tonight goes to Tyler following a 4-3 overtime win over Dallas. What's up, Tyler? Hey, man. What's going on? Not much. How are you? Good, good. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I was driving home from work uh, and listening to the show, and I wanted to say a couple things. I had a couple thoughts regarding what everyone's talking about here. I think the disappointment with the Zadorov trade, it's not just the value we're getting back, but I think every single trade that Trey made, we seem to get pretty good value back. Now, the one thing I noticed, which I thought, Burke did him a huge solid setting him up, right? You remember the deadline with Camilleri? Or he chose not to sell him for less, 
right? And he, he said after something along the lines of trading Camilleri for a fourth-round pick wasn't going to get the franchise as much value as showing the rest of the league that we're not going to undersell our players. I think that's where Conroy's messing up a little bit. I think everyone thinks that the Foley trade is a Dorov trade. The return's a little light. And I think the message that sends the rest of the league is that you can, you can, you can arm wrestle Connie a little bit. Like, I don't think you can say we're winning these trades by any means. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you can say they're losing them either. Yeah, I mean, like, if you look at it, after that Camilleri trade, very similar trade, we were able to get a second-round pick for Chris Russell. Same kind of defenseman. I think they play a different style in a little way. Russell might be a little more like Tanev. But, like, Zadorov was a guy that put up 14 goals on the blue line last year. That's not, like, those aren't number, like, third-pair numbers. I think people know the upside Zadorov has. Zadorov's also the kind of player that at the deadline – People overpay for that big brute because they think it's going to win playoff games, right? Like, I, I think if you look at it, I don't think you can say we got good value. Just if you look at, like, what a Ben Chirot got, guys that are going at the deadline. And I, the biggest thing for me this Zadorov trade that I don't get is mm-hmm. why you're trading him before the Vancouver game. That makes no sense to me. That seems a little dumb. I think the best game Zadorov had all year was playing in Toronto which is a team that's, you know, they're rumored to be interested in him. I think playing him against Vancouver would have been the perfect kind of showcase. Uh, would have gave Zadorov the chance to say, come get me, right? I think you probably get a motivated player that game. Maybe you squeeze a little more. I don't see the rush. I don't think he was that much of a distraction in the room. I think what he said was actually good leadership when he stepped up there. I mean, the stats are the stats. The team I mean, I think great. I think that on that part, I think, I think on that part, the, the – guys in the room would disagree yeah i mean you can say that but ever since he said what they needed to say they've been they've been playing way better they've been playing their best hockey of the year it kind of turned around at that moment i think and and honestly this is no a that... no well, i don't you, I, I don't, I, don't I, honestly i don't remember the door upset that I, 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 I don't know if, like, I don't, A, I don't even remember when he said that. Um, it was sometime in October, so I don't know if that would be. When they were, yeah, they were at, like, one and seven in their last eight games. It was a tough streak that he kind of set it out of frustration from all the losing. And ever since then, the guys, it kind of forced the team to be accountable. You had guys like Blake Coleman and Backlund stepped up in the meeting saying, no, that's not the case. Like, I think what he said was pretty spot on. This is a room that's been rumored that, you know, the guys are, they've ran a few coaches out. They, they ran Glennie out. They obviously with Daryl last year and it, in the month of October, it was looking like, Hey, Daryl might not have been the problem here, which, and I'm not saying that's not an overreaction either, but I mean, ever since he said that the team's above 500, they have never, they weren't even sniffing 500 before then. Um, I mean, they they they, 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 they lost was... they lost three more games after I went and I looked. It was October twenty fourth. They lost the Rangers. Lost five four more games. They lost the Rangers. They lost the Blues. They lost the Heritage Classic, and then they lost to Dallas. So I don't know. It was like after two games of the losing skit. I think that's that's a little confirmation by saying that that's what turned their season around. Well, I'm not even saying that the only reason that's turned their season around. But what I'm saying is they've been playing better since then. Obviously, there's the three games right after that. But the guys were answering questions about it 
for the next couple games after that. And whether that turned it around or not, I think they're playing good hockey. I don't think it can be that much of a distraction. And kind of just like we said with the – where Conroy needs to kind of show the guys that, like, yeah, you're not just going to ask for a trade and we're going to trade you right away to, to because you're a distraction. Like, I, I don't think you would have seen Burke – go and take less of a trade i'm not saying burke's a better gm but i'm just saying like burke i think did Trey living a solid there where he set that tone that like he's running the ship right now it kind of feels like back in the the glenn gullets and days where are the players running the ship who's running the show here right now because and it's the same thing with the Toffoli trade like i just don't see the need to make that i think if you're going to trade a guy well i mean to fully requested a trade i i i to fully requested a trade, why wouldn't you trade him? You didn't want to be here anymore. Well, I mean, yeah, and Chickren re- requested a trade, and he had to play in for the Coyotes for how long? Right? Just because you re- request a trade, you're under fair contract. enough. Fair like, enough, but also like they got a they got a player that's been pretty important for them. They got a player who's like seven years younger and a third round pick, and for a guy who only has a year left and hasn't even signed, he's put up decent numbers, hasn't even signed in New Jersey yet. I, I don't know, for a guy that only had one year left, Sharon Govich in a third, I, I and and based on like what Taylor Hall got and some of the other players that were going on that draft week, I, I, I think that's I think that's actually pretty inaccurate to say that it was uh, that he got fleeced on it. I, I don't know like, well, Tyler Toffoli's a thirty one, thirty two year old guy who had one year left on his contract. I think and was looking for a seven year deal time. with the like, Flames. And that's fine, but I, th- I think you can say the Flames The Flames might end up getting good value out of that trade in the long run. It doesn't mean they got the most value at the time of the trade. Like, I do think but that, you know Now, what? I would – that one I'd really disagree on because go look at what other players of that stature, 30, 30-ish forwards that went on that same weekend or that same week and go compare the Toffoli trade. Yeah, they got the be- they got the best of the they had the best of the value at that time. I think that like once again, I think there's a difference in making a trade in the summer and I think at the deadline, like the, like you'll hear a lot of guys say, like you can the best thing you can do sometimes is throw your phone away at the deadline, right? Like just don't pick up that call and you'd be a better GM than most. Guys overpay, it is what it is, right? There you get a bit of an arms race at the deadline and momentum kind of carries things, right? You see one team make a big move, so you are got to go out and make your move. I, I just don't think there was a need to necessarily do that. Like I was saying, with Tanev, it kind of makes sense. The guy's he, – he has injury problems. He, he, See, but I'm, I'm the other way. We've we got we to wrap up here, but I'm kind of the other way, Tyler. For sure. I think waiting until the deadline is the way to go on Tanev because I think that that's where you'll really get those bidding wars. And with Zadorov, I'm not saying that he's a bad guy. I really don't think that. I think he's an awesome dude, and I think he – Gave the Flames two plus really good seasons, but when that trade request went public, it, it it really turned into a distraction in the room. And and I'm not saying that they didn't play well through it. They did. That was impressive. But I think they needed to make that move in an expedited fashion. I really do. I I do think that needs to be taken into account. And I also think the fact that they cleared out the three point seven five million dollars in its entirety is an important thing that gets isn't getting thrown into the value side of it either and the flexibility like the flexibility value that comes back with it again tyler i don't think this is a home run which i think that they there's a chance they will i mean it's been six hours since the trade franchise's thing but like 
Yeah, like sure. If they go and they take on a a, a bat like a Connor Garland, I'm, I'm not saying it's going to be him, but they get an asset for taking a contract. If they utilize that cap space, the trade changes. But as it stands right so, now, so isn't that isn't that but really isn't that part of like that? That's kind of part of my frustration is that you're like, uh, so why are we jumping to conclusions on who won the trade when it's too early to? tell who won the trade you know what i'm saying we uh, that, I, I hear that but that's like what i'm saying with the foley a little bit it's the same thing i think we might get a good player out of yegor and and all of a sudden it looks like a pretty even trade or maybe even to the flames win that trade three years from now but it still doesn't change the fact that maybe i'm wrong but i still think you can win a trade in the future and still maybe have not have gotten the most value you could have at the time and that's what i think you're going to see with it huh. who knows maybe they draft someone great in the third round and and we look at this Adorov trade in five years as like a total steal. But it, I, I still think you left some stuff on the table. It's not the best asset management. Heck, I mean, over the last couple of years, I think that's something the Flames, Flames fans might have PTSD about is asset management. But I think that's where you get a little bit of the uproar. And I just think it's, for me, the biggest thing, I don't, get, I don't see why you need to make that trade. Well, I don't get why you couldn't have waited until after Saturday. We'll uh, agree to disagree on a few of those points, Tyler, but I appreciate the call, man. You have yourself a great night. Yeah, you too, man. Have a good night. Um, yeah, I, I, I just – it's there's so much – I don't know. The whole idea of, well, it's poor asset management because they could have gotten more. How do you know? That This is – like Tyler doesn't set the market or Pat doesn't set the market. The market is the market. I do think that they needed to make this trade sooner rather than later. Doesn't mean that Nikita Zadorov's a bad dude. Doesn't mean that he was a cancer in the locker room. Just meant that they needed to excise a distraction as as soon as they could, and they did. But I just it's it's so strange to hear these takes of. Well, he got fleeced, and there's no way that they should only have gotten this when this was on the table. You're like, how do you know what was on the table? This is why I'm banging my head against the wall with George earlier. I'm like, I, I don't I don't understand. Like, George loves Zadorov, so believes that Zadorov should have gotten at least a second-round pick. It's like, okay, well, what if that didn't exist? Should they not have traded it? I don't – anyway, I digress. Uh, great stuff, nonetheless. That was a uh, fun one on the phone lines and the text line uh great stuff on the text line tonight great stuff on the phone lines tonight as we start to wrap things up on your flames talk post game show this evening 4-3 the final score flames win another one in overtime here's how this game went but back and forth it's time for our final summary as thomas harley opened the scoring for the stars at 4-4-51 of the first period harley's fourth of the year from joe pavelski and jason robertson made a one nothing dallas flames tie less than four minutes later on chris tanev's first of the year tanev from andrew Mangiapane and dennis gilbert at 802 and then about seven minutes after that noah hannafin would make it 2-1 in favor of the flames hannafin fifth of the year from Blake Coleman and Michael Backlund at 15.03. Flames are up 2-1. Stars tie it late in the first. Mason Marchment gets his fifth of the year. Marchment from Miro Haskin and Tyler Sagan at the 19-minute mark. It was 2-2 after 20 minutes of play. 2-2 after 40 minutes of play. So we go to the third period. Mason Marchment awarded a penalty shot early in the third. Scores. Marchment gets his sixth of the year, second of the night, at 149 to make it 3-2 Dallas. Flames tie it with 
less than three minutes to go on Mackenzie Weger's sixth of the year. Weger tied for the team lead now with six goals from Jonathan Huberto at 17-19. 3-3 tie going to overtime. And early in overtime, Nazem Kadri wins it with his fifth of the year. Kadri from Huberto and Jacob Markstrom at the one-minute mark and 4-3 ends up being your final score. Final shots, 36-16 in favor of the Flames. Calgary 0 for 2 on the power play. Dallas did not get a power play this evening. Your three stars tonight, number three, Nazem Kadri, number two, Mason Marchman, and number one, Noah Hannafin. With the win, Calgary back to 500. They're 10-10-3. Back in action Saturday at home to Vancouver. While Dallas falls to 13-5-3, they're back in action Saturday at home to Tampa Bay. That's your final summary. And now for everyone involved in Flames Hockey tonight, for our broadcast crew of Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson, for our on-site engineers, Tim Khalil and Jeff Mason, for our reporter, Logan Gordon, and for our outstanding producer, Shan Vergie. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on our Flames Talk post-game show, which is available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Next up for the Flames, it is the Flames and Vancouver Canucks for an 8 o'clock face off on Saturday night, which means we'll be on the air at 7 o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Have a great rest of your week. Your final score from the Scotiabank Saddledome tonight. Flames win 4-3 in overtime over the Dallas Stars. This has been your Flames Talk post-game show available wherever you get your podcasts and this has been Calgary Flames Hockey on Sportsnet 960. The Fan.